Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. This edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Oh, what a, what a great show we have lined up for you tonight. Uh, L.A. Marzulli, lamarzulli.net, Steve Quayle, stevequayle.com. Together. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, this is, this is the kind of programming you've been waiting for. Of course, tonight, just, just a little bit of news tonight, of course, uh, SCOTUS pick, uh, Supreme Court pick, uh, odds on favorite, uh, Gorsuch, apparently. But we'll see what happens at uh, eight o'clock Eastern. Um, supposedly going to tickle the fancy of the uh, evangelicals. Well, we'll see what well, again. We'll see what happens, folks. You're listening uh, to the Hagman Hagman Report, where we broadcast live each and every weeknight, seven to ten p.m. Eastern Time, Global Star Radio Network, YouTube Live. You're watching us there on YouTube Live, unless you're listening to us and listening and watching, yeah, whatever. As well as Blog Talk Radio, BTR find folks there as well don't forget we've got two two separate websites hagmanreport.com for our show content that's hagmanreport.com two ends of course and hagman and hagman there for the show watch the show different venues options and such both websites visit both and hagmanreport.com bookmark that website now the two gentlemen we have on tonight uh are just fantastic folks uh you know you know them we know them uh they are tremendous authors researchers LA's got a new series coming out. Uh, Steve Guayle, his, his phenomenal research. And of course, you know about the, uh, trip to Peru and such. But, but all of that said, Joe, I'm just going to welcome you on and you just bring both of them on. We'll, we'll go to Steve first and LA and we'll just do fire away. But uh, you come on board. Yeah, just to uh, give a quick outline of tonight's show for the first two hours, we have both L.A. Marzulli and Steve Quayle. L.A. Marzulli's website is lamarzulli.net, and we have Steve Quayle from stevequayle.com. And then in hour three, Stan Day will be our guest as he is each and every Tuesday in the third hour. Uh, right now, I'll turn it over to Steve. Steve and L.A., welcome to the show. Go ahead, Steve. Well, thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, tonight it's a privilege for the first time in history for L.A. and I to be on together. And what's interesting is you'll hear some amazing information, testimony, and research that complements each other. And by the time we're done tonight, I think you're going to probably have a lot of your, um, I would say, concern that we're just off on some crazy tangent or that you can't really embrace the Genesis 6 Giants account. I think a lot of that will be uh, allayed tonight. Now, obviously, L.A. is going to be joining us on the True Legends VIP Expedition and Seminar in Cusco, Peru. That's going to be a treat because obviously L.A. has been down there doing all of his skull work with Brian Forrester and all of his DNA investigation. And ladies and gentlemen, this is June 11th through the 18th. We've 
only got probably five to six places open. We had three other people that were going, but one of them had a pretty serious medical emergency, and another had, I would say, problems, um, you know, home problems, and they just couldn't do it. So this is a luxury trip, luxury accommodations, gourmet food, and the luxury train to Machu Picchu, uh, along with L.A. Marzulli and myself will be Timothy Alvarino and Anselm P. Rambla. We're going to go to some of the most famous megaliths in the world, Saskawaman, boy, Tambo Mache, Machu Picchu, Ojante Tambo, the Cori Concha, and the megalithic foundations of Cusco. Now, I, I want everybody to understand this. Anselm P. Rambla will be, be taking us to some of the dig sites where he and his team conducted the archaeological excavations, which disprove, I'm going to say this again, disprove the official narrative concerning the megaliths in Peru and the and they absolutely point to a pre-flood origin. We've got megaliths that go to the time period before the megaliths, I'm sorry, before uh, the flood of Noah and after the flood of Noah. And today, I posted a story that now they've found the original, uh, if you will, some of the original settlements on Gondwanaland. That's a supercontinent. In the book of Genesis, it talks about that God parted the continents in the days of Peleg, P-E-L-E-G. So we're going to extend the registration to March 1st, and we require 50% down payment uh, for registration with full payment required by the very first of March. And anyone who wants to uh, register after March must pay full price up front due to booking and logistics. We have 20 spaces, and this is going to be a private seminar. We're not just going to go around like a bunch of tourists and take pictures. You're going to have, I guess you'd say, probably the most astonishing uh, megalith and monument and the entire presentation of the pre-flood builders. So tonight it's my joy to be on with L.A. And we're going to talk about the giants. Now, L.A. was contacted, and L.A., I'm just giving a little introduction and take it away. L.A. and I were contacted by two different people at two different times concerning two different giants, actual physical giants, that were encountered in Afghanistan separated by a year apart. Uh, the Kandahar giant, which L.A. has brought to everyone's attention, is different than the Bagram giant that I brought to everyone's attention And when we were talking about 2005. So, L.A., what a delight to have you on. Thank you for joining us on the seminar and uh, in Cusco. And let's go ahead and share, if you would, let's give people, you know I love this, let's give people, share the story of the Kandahar giant, if you would, and then I'll share the story of the pilot. And then we'll just take where our... Uh, our, I guess you'd say, uh, intersecting research and conclusions are leading us. Go ahead, sir. Be on with you. I mean, I've listened to you for, for absolutely years. I remember in the 90s, I, I would be driving back from recording studios in Los Angeles, and, and I'd be listening to Coast to Coast, and guess who was on? Steve Wow. So it's, it's really very cool that we've, you know, coming on uh, the Hagman Show, it's the first time we've ever done anything like this. It's an honor for me, and it's just, it's a blessing, too. I mean, for really for everybody. It's so cool when you get, you know, guys that are kind of plowing in the same field from, from different directions, so to speak, and meeting in the middle. And it's just it's just amazing. And i, I got to tell you, man, Saksevaman, uh, that place, it's just, when you go there, it, my jaw was on the ground for the whole time. Uh, and the Cori Concha, I mean, these are megaliths, Steve, you're right. It is absolutely astounding when you're in Peru, when, you're act, when your hands are actually touching the wall at Saksewaman. 
and you feel the mountain wind and the mountain air, and you're a little lightheaded because you're about twelve to 13,000 feet above sea level. You know, and you're just sitting there, and you just, and you realize that, wait a minute, this, you can't do this. You, you, could bring, you can't do it in modernity. And we're talking thousands of years ago, even before the Neolithic. I mean, it's pre-flood stuff and, and fallen angel technology, and it's staring at you right in the face, you know, and it's like there's just no way around it. But, you know, getting into the giant thing, <clears throat> the way that came to us was bizarre. Um, the co-producer and, and my friend Richard Shaw, the director of the Watchers series, he got ten of these things, by the way, shameless plug, and uh, we were... Richard was on a show, and he was talking about Israel and, and, and what's going on over in Israel and the Middle East, and, and they were going back and forth, and a car came in and sort of bolstered Rick's position about the IDF. And this guy apparently was ex-military. You could tell by the way he was talking. This guy knew what he was talking about. So uh, the, the host of the show held him on at the end of the show. And one thing led to another, and, and Rick struck up a conversation with this guy, and the conversation sort of continued. And um, someone somehow it got around to Nephilim and Giants and Anakim and the, the whole deal. And uh, he just basically blurted out that he was in Afghanistan and he shot one. And, you know, it's like Rick just was obviously dumbfounded. And um, he got his email, got his phone number. I shot the guy a phone, uh, an email within 24 hours, and we struck up phone conversations. Now, you know, when you get something like this, you kind of do pre-interviews. You, you know this, Steve. You, you just you try to vet it as much as possible, get a feel for what the guy is. He's like, is he, is he trying to put something on me? Is he hyping me? Is he is he honest? I mean, you know, you, you just do your, you just try to vet the thing. And of course, there's really no way to vet it. I mean, you got this guy's word. What intrigued us is I knew, obviously, your story. And, and, and I had heard it on Coast to Coast, the pilot coming on the record anonymously, talking about the giant that, that he flew out. So I'm sitting there going like, you know, okay, so we got, we got Steve's story, um, which is incredible. And now you've got a shooter. I wonder if they're the same thing. I wonder if it's the same, the same, uh, incident as it were. <clears throat> so I, I flew out to where this guy lives and I interviewed him face to face. I had, I had business in this state. Uh, and actually, it was an ongoing archaeological site, and so he met me at the site, and uh, we spent some time together. I heard his story multiple times, literally multiple times, before we flew him out to Los Angeles, got him on the record. Now, remember, this guy's got, and I, look, I saw the cards. He's got all sorts of top clearance stuff. He showed me his passport. None of this, I, yeah, okay, if you, it, you know, you, you can you can fake stuff. You can go and you can you know get a passport and make it look like this. I, I get that. But the security clearance stuff, I mean, I guess you can fake that too. But none of it looked fake. I mean, he had, he had everything all lined up and here's this card, here's that card. You know, here's when I was in Iraq, Afghanistan, the whole deal. He showed me all of his stuff and, you know, it was, it was, it was legit. He told me the same story over and over and over again. And I would, you know, I would wait a few hours and then, well, what about this point? Just to see if he would elaborate, say something different, um, you know, forget what he was saying. Stuck to the story. And every time, and this is the one part of the story, guys, Doug, Joe, Steve, that really kind of blew me away was, was this. And I, let me just, just tell the story here. And, and this is in, in, in the shooter's own words. And we'll just call him a shooter. A patrol had gone missing 
in the Kandahar province of Afghanistan. They missed their rally points, first rally point, second rally point, third rally point. The next day, a second chopper was dispatched, landed basically in the same area, and these guys were off and running and looking for uh, the missing patrol on foot. Um, they came down this go trail, which wound up on this sort of a ledge, thousands of feet up in the valley below. And the ledge was it was a good-sized ledge, 30, 40 feet wide, but above it was this very large cave. And as we're coming around this, this making this turn onto this ledge at, below the cave, the shooter can see what appears to be bones of some sort and flesh of some sort. And then in the distance he sees what looks like it might be part of a, of a radio. And so everybody is like on, on red alert. They're not sure what's going on. You know, is, is this like, were these guys ambushed? Is it wild animals? They don't know what's going on. They're, they're kind of spread out in a, in a decent pattern. And all of a sudden, a living nightmare, which is the only way to describe it, comes out of, out of, out of the cave. Um, between 12 and 15 feet tall. Uh, James insists closer to 15. And, and I realize 15 feet is absolutely ridiculously large. And remember, when you go up, you go out. We're talking uh, the Incredible Hulk here, basically, is what it looked like. And the shooter, everyone was frozen. Who wouldn't be? It had a lance in one hand and a shield in the other. It was barefoot. It had some kind of a loincloth thing on. It had reddish hair. Six fingers, six toes. Now, when it came out, it, it was like doing this garble-like communication. What was interesting, Ron Moorhead, who was a Bigfoot researcher, and I know like, this sounds like, wait a minute, he's talking about the giant, now he's talking about Bigfoot. Hold on here. Well, we got, there's a, there's a recording called Sierra Sounds that Ron Moorhead was up in the Sierra Nevadas. He had encounters with these beings for an ongoing period of basically months, if not years. It was continuous. And they recorded these things, and they, they actually had them analyzed at uh, Phoenix University. And it was a very complex language. And so Richard played what was called an agitated, what um, on the Sierra Sounds, an agitated vocalization. And, and the shooter just went, that's it. That's what it sounded like, except it was deafening. It was really loud. So we're sitting here going like, you know, this is... This is bizarre stuff. He's got details here, which which are incredible. So everyone's frozen, and who wouldn't be? The sink comes out of the cave. Everyone's completely frozen in their tracks. They're stunned. They don't know what to do. And one guy, this guy by the name of Dan, breaks ranks and starts firing. Well, the giant moves with such agility and speed that everybody's stunned. I mean, here's this 15-foot guy, and he's moving like a professional linebacker on the NFL. And before anyone can do anything, he takes his lance, and he skewers Dan and holds him up in the air. And now Dan is, like, dangling on what I would call a Nephilim lance. We've got an artifact on that, but I digress. And, you know, the spear point of this thing is almost three feet in length, and it's probably a bronze artifact. And this the giant is coming after more. At this point, the shooter goes, shoot him in the head, shoot him in the head. They've got three o. Weights, they've got 50 cows, they've got M16s, they blast away. The whole thing, according to the shooter, is less than 30 seconds. From the time a giant comes out to where Dan is skewered and they finally fell this guy, they basically shot his lower half of his face off, literally. The giants had come to his wounds, and that's when they noticed the overwhelming stench, absolutely overwhelming, as powerful as a skunk, it smelled like dead bodies, 
the six fingers, the double rows of teeth, um, and they, they, they instantly call for a medevac. Dan's to come through his wounds. Another, another huge chopper, Jolly Dream guy came out, cargo net, netted this thing up, off it went. Another second chopper came, picked up the team, and when they got to the base, they wrote their reports, and then they were told to rewrite their reports, basically eliminating the giant. And this guy, look, you know, I've interviewed hundreds of people, just, just like, you know, all you guys, and you can tell after a while. Yeah, you can get fooled, I get that. But at some point in time, you know, things have a tendency to work out. And I believe this guy. I believe the shooter. And that's why he came on the record in the Watchers series. And he was deeply, deeply troubled, not only by what he had seen, but by the death of his battle buddy, Dan. And every time he got to the part where he would talk about what happened to Dan, he'd lose it. I mean, he would, he would choke up, he would cry, he'd hang up the phone, he'd turn, you know, turn away, and, you know, that's, that's one of the main reasons why I believe them. So, in a nutshell, that's the Kandahar Giant. And, of course, Steve, we're talking about, and this is, i got to tell you guys, this is more troubling than anything. We thought, okay, but it's all the same giant. There's two different giants here, which is really troubling because now it means that there's more than one. And if there's two, how many of them are there out there that we don't know about? L.A., would you also share uh, the ancillary information that was given to you about the encounter? This is a separate encounter, wasn't it, when a team of military guys uh, came upon some different giants and basically uh, fled because all of their light arms weren't doing the job? Share how that came about. This is, um, look, like you, Steve, I get hundreds of emails a day, just like the Hagmans do, and I can't possibly keep up with them. And, um, you know, one of these these emails really caught my attention, and it was from an elderly woman whose grandson was deployed to Iraq. And apparently he was part of a survey team in a very remote area of Iraq. Now, I never went really public with this one. We didn't use it for our watchers because the guy would never come on the record. He just would not come on the record. So my caveat is I, I was not able to vet this, but this, this grandmother, who I did speak to on the phone, insisted that the story was true, and her, her grandson was greatly, greatly troubled by what he had seen. So, you know, listeners, you just got to take that as, as, you know, take it as you want to. But the story I was told, this guy was deployed in a very remote region of Iraq. They were armed, but they were in doing some kind of surveying deal. And they came upon this valley. And as they began to enter into this, like, it was like a valley surrounded by mountains type of thing, according to what I was told. Not one, not two, but a group of giants attacked them. And, of course, they started firing their weapons and the weapons had no effect on them. In other words, and what was interesting, going back to the shooter in Afghanistan, the shooter told me that when they looked at the body, it appeared that the giant had wounds on it that were probably very fresh, but were in the process of being healed. And, of course, this gets into something which is just, you know, there's there's no, I, mean, I wish I could study the thing. But apparently, according to the, going back to Iraq, According to this guy, they fired their small arms, and it had no effect on these guys. They threw down their arms and fled for their lives. Now, that's what I was told. That's what I was told. And, you know, the guy 
would not come on the record, but his grandmother told me the story. And the reason why his grandmother contacted me, because she was very concerned. So, you know, you hear these stories, and another witness that we had was a Marine who, again, was in the Kandahar province in Afghanistan a number of years later, and he talked about being trained for cave fighting. And this is all on our Watchers series, Watchers 10. And he's doing this training for cave fighting, and he's being told to aim high. And he's going, what do you mean aim high? Just aim above, well above a normal six-foot person's head. And they weren't told why. It's like, you know, okay, you're telling me to shoot high, but what am I shooting? I mean, you know, you're telling me to shoot around eight feet, nine feet? It's like, what? And that's what they're being taught in this cave training. Well, the rumor going around at the Kandahar base was that a giant had been killed in some sort of a fight at the mouth of the cave, and apparently it killed one of the men. And, you know, the rumor was out there. No one was supposed to talk about it. It was all hush-hush, but everybody was talking about it anyway. So, you know, you got the pilot. You're a guy, Steve. We got James, the shooter, and not his real name. And we've got, you know, Bernie, just for lack of a better name. That's not his real name either, the guy who was stationed in Kandahar. So, you know, you start hearing about this, and all these witnesses seem to be credible. And then, of course, you got the grandmother whose son was deployed in Iraq. So, you know, that's what we were told. And, frankly, when you look at where Iraq and Afghanistan are located, that is right near Nephilim Central, where all the mischief started thousands of years ago in the days of Noah when they landed on Mount Hermon, the 200 Watcher Angels. Well, that's really a great overview. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you this because, again, we've been able, L.A. and I have been able to cross-corroborate not only the shooter's testimony and also the pilot's testimony, but a very neat thing. And, L.A., you know you do this, too. As researchers, we want to make sure we never get our own information fed back to us off the international gossip line of the Internet. So without going into detail, because there are some things that L.A. and I have to keep quiet. Obviously, we talk about them amongst ourselves. But when you can get A confirming B, now here's one of the most powerful things, L.A., that you just said. If people want to believe this, I'll tell them exactly what I tell everybody for every time I've been on talk radio for 23 years. Take this to the Lord in prayer. When that guy said that he watched those wounds heal, okay, in ancient history, it was very important to, and, and this is what multiple active duty special forces generals told me, okay, and this is about probably five years ago. They told me that unless you cut the head off of these things, they have right. such, an, and, and you know you've heard this, but they have the ability to spontaneously regenerate. What did David do when he killed Goliath? He took his head off, okay? And it's an interesting thing. I asked a, a, a dead CIA assassin, and this is a true story. People have heard me talk about this. I said, why does the devil, and why is this big thing of beheading so important? And he said this, simple, it's payback by uh, the Nephilim, Rephaim, basically the fallen angels and their progeny. And do you know that there's actually 
an evil entity that's known as a headless demon. I'm not talking Withering Heights or Withering Heights and Ichabod Crane. So, ladies and gentlemen, here's what I'm saying. Up until, what would you say, L.A., just, a, a, you know, what, maybe a month or two ago, we didn't compare notes, and on what, what, when we started to compare notes, and then the shooter and the pilot compared notes and came to the conclusion that they were different events, there's too many parallel, uh, what would you say, uh, similarities happening, and that's, ladies and gentlemen, why, why we're on tonight. And I believe this, and I know you do too, L.A., we are, we are at the point now, we're in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Let every word be established. Independent and of each other, we're getting, again, we're getting the, uh, the testimony of multiple witnesses. And if you throw in the generals, now some of you say, well, you don't know general. You know, I get a lot of, you know, what from people over that. They, they contacted me because I was heading up an expedition, okay? And obviously, uh, you know, my phones are tapped and everything else. And people think that, oh, this is so fun to play uh, in this world of make-believe. It's not make-believe. And the gentleman that I was going to meet in the Solomon Islands was in possession of a giant cyclopean skull with horns. Yeah, if you go on my website, or you may have it too, but you can look up Solomon Giants. And he told me the last phone call I ever had with him, we were to meet in a certain state, and we had a way arranged, believe it or not, to get that skeleton, and especially the skull, which was humongous, into the United States. He called me, and he was en route to Bali, and then he was en route to Hawaii, and then where we were going to meet. I'm just going to leave it like that. He said, he said to me, he said, Steve, I don't know if I'll ever make it alive. I've got, quote, XYZ intelligence agencies on my tail. Now, fast forward a little bit. By the way, he died. To the best of my knowledge, he was blown up in that Bali explosion. Contact. I get contacted from someone who more than, how do I say this, validated his bona fides. A multiple, multiple star general who also was very, how do I say this, high up in the world of uh, not only black ops, but I would call majestic level physics. And he said, do not go. And this was at this time probably, probably L.A., I, I don't know, I think it was probably about 2010, 2011, 12. So it must have been, what, five, six years ago. And he said, because I was told what a good bait was, believe it or not, for the Giants. They love the smell of a certain thing. And I'm not going to tell it on the air because, again, ladies and gentlemen, when we check out our sources, we've got to have evidence that we know that has not been passed around the net. Steve, and he, it was exact there. words to me, his exact words to me, wait, 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 don't, wait, that, go. Don't, don't go. I was going to say, that's a great cliffhanger, brother. <laughs> Hang on a second. We gotta, we gotta take a short break. L.A. Marzulli, Steve Quayle together, historic broadcast. Oh, stevequayle.com, L.A. Marzulli.net, bookmark both sites. You're gonna, you're gonna buckle up because more is coming. Stay right there. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. An 
a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. Kirkus Review states, Readers of End Times Fiction will be hard-pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast-paced. Blue Week Reviews boldly states, Fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought-provoking series absolutely riveting. Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. In these uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel-burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass-burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. You know, I, I don't want to take too much time. I want to get right back to our guests, but I, I've got to mention when the lights go out, when the power go, goes out, when the grid goes down, when the phones go out, what are you going to do? How are you going to communicate with each other? I've got the solution right here. This is what our family uses. This is what our business uses. Everyone should have one of these. This is an Iridium 9555 satellite phone. Folks, go to satellitephonestore.com, all right? And a good friend, Eric Tallman, you heard him on uh, with uh, Steve. And, uh, uh, of course, let me just open this box here. Uh, your satellite phone, satellitephonestore.com. The reason I want to open the box is I, want to, I was going to show you what was inside. But this is the phone to get when everything goes down. You can still talk to your family members and friends. If you look, if communication between family members, friends, loved ones is important to you, this is what you need, an Iridium 9555. 
And this is, again, the official satellite phone of the Hagman and Hagman Report and our respective families. Contact satellitephonestore.com. Go to our website. You'll, you'll have, a, you'll see a link, uh, directly. You can talk to Eric, my good friend Eric, Eric Tallman there, satellitephonestore.com. Tell them Doug and Joe Hagman sent you. With that, let's get right back. Steve Quayle was relating that, uh, fantastic, uh, account. Uh, Steve, uh, sorry for the interruption. Go, uh, go ahead and continue, sir. I think that if L.A. and I uh, talked for six hours, we could give you the introduction, but we'll get right back into it. By the way, Doug, I, I started, you know, someone said, man, I listened to you for hours and hours. I said, no, you just got the introduction for hours and hours. But uh, listen, I want to tell people, on my Steve Quayle official YouTube channel, I'm starting to do what are called Q-casts, okay? And I'll be doing them every other day. The first 20-minute one is up on my official YouTube channel. The reason I'm uh, putting them on my YouTube channel is because I can't keep up, Doug. I'm a one-man show, okay? I have, obviously, Tim uh, Alvarino is in the production of our DVD. I've got Carlos uh, Santiago, who's doing the editing on uh, everything I'm doing, but uh, just to give people a, a, let's say this, a wet whistle worth, I am convinced, and this plays into exactly what L.A. and I are talking about tonight. I have been told by someone who just got back from Antarctica, a scientist who's been there for six weeks, that who's who in the world, not just the ones we know of, but dignitaries, the heads of government are being flown into the Antarctica. I believe someone sent me an email today saying that Sean Hannity was uh, talking to Newt Gingrich and teasing him he's going where the penguins are. It is my contention, based on what I know, and let me share this, Doug, this individual, and I won't say the names of uh, the different intel agencies and stuff there because I don't have his permission, but I will share this with everybody. You don't send advanced teams of the caliber of these people who are uh, in charge of security for the most powerful people in the world to Antarctica ahead of time unless something is getting ready to happen. Now, why this ties in is very, very critical. And I just did a 20-minute update on um, uh, my own, uh, you know, it's called QCast, okay? And we're going to link to Quill. it, Steve. Yeah, we're going to link to it. Oh, okay, thank you, thank you. Uh, brother, I'm like, I'm like, uh, I sometimes feel like I'm a pre-flood uh, uh, guy when it comes to all the technology. You're blessed, Doug, with guys who are, who are, you know, very fluent in it. And L.A., you do a good job, a great job. And I got Tim and Carlos, all these young people. But, you know, I got to tell you something. If they're over 40, they probably, and I'm just saying this, they probably are, are very capable. But, man, you get these 30-year-olds and they go to town, okay? So this is critical. I'm going to update it. I think I did today, Tuesday, Thursday, and uh, Saturday. There's just too much stuff happening. And i got to be telling everybody, it's almost, and, and I'm, I've come to the point, and I don't know, L.A., if you ever get this point, but I am, is I physically cannot do anything more than I'm already doing. Tom Horn and I are bringing out our book, uh, you know, probably our co-book. I think it'll be ready April 1st. Our next DVD that's coming out, the True, True Legends of Series, uh, and, and basically called There Were Giants. Once you see that, ladies and gentlemen, 
you will never, ever be able to say That's there's all. not enough evidence. This is all just myth and legend. I promise you, you cannot escape the findings. One of the things that's interesting, and I didn't know this, L.A., Doug or anybody, until Tim found it, Alberino. Uh, listen, to say we scour old stuff, we're not talking pots and pans. We're, we're like talking ancient. You know this, L.A., you go through just tons and tons of stuff. What blew my mind is Timothy Alberino found Aristotle in his book Physics talking about giants, heroes, mighty men of renown that are in a state of suspended animation or stasis, okay? Now listen to this, everybody. This is pretty amazing. And we can go anywhere you want to go uh, after this, L.A. But here's what he says. I'm quoting Aristotle. But neither does time exist without change. For when the state of our own minds does not change at all, or we have not noticed it's changing, we do not realize that time has elapsed any more than those who are fabled to sleep among the heroes of Greek mythology, that's the giants, in Sardinia do when they are awakened. For they connect the earlier now with the later and make them one, cutting out the interval because of their failure to notice it. In essence, giants are coming. Tom Horn was probably the first guy to bring that to everybody's attention in the Septuagint. God talks about the return of the giants. And L.A., and then I'm going to turn right over to you. In in everything that I have encountered, and this is what L.A. was just talking about, and I was seconding the reason the I mean, I really, L.A., I just, I, I think it was a pain in, you know, other parts of the body to these guys, these generals, because they kept trying to say, you've got to understand their, if you will, the supernatural element of their creation, meaning they're a hybrid, and what are we seeing in the news? Hybridization, mixing pigs and no. mixing humans no. and mixing everything and coming up with it. And even today, I posted a story. I'm going to get right to the point, but I posted a story by James Cameron talking about Atlantis is going to rise, okay? And he's talking about the literal island that came under God's judgment for doing what the headlines on Drudge are stating. So we're at a point now in time where those things that L.A. and I are researching, Tom Horn is researching, Timothy Alberino, and I think it's a good time, L.A., to say something. Look, your guys are welcome to take our stuff and put YouTubes up and stuff, but don't steal our stuff, okay? And and literally give attribution. The the reason I say that, L.A., is because I know people have taken your stuff. I've seen it. You know people have taken my stuff. All we're trying to do is give a faithful testimony and accurate, uh, if you will, presentation of what we found in our co-research. And then people go run with it, and they twist it, and they want to throw whatever new age slant on it or whatever they want to do. And then it comes back to us that, you know, you and I are, are I just got an email to this effect, that you and I are stupid because we don't know that it was the Anunnaki that created us. So, uh, you know, and I just sent this guy an email saying, wrong, you don't know what the ancients know. And, uh, you know, basically he says, well, it's all opinion. No, it's not opinion. At the end of the day, the evidence will demand a verdict. And I'm here to tell you, and L.A. is here to tell you, that you cannot escape the relevancy of fallen angels, of genetic hybrids, and maybe in the next hour we can get into some of the uh, giant history. But the point is, is that, ladies and gentlemen, we're giving you stuff that 
that is original research, not passed down through what I would call the Internet absurd, steal everybody's stuff and make it your own world. Go ahead, L.A. Yeah, you know, it's the same thing. We'll, we'll, we'll get emails from people and uh, an entire Watchers episode, like when we were down in Peru, Watchers 6, Taking all the credits and titles off of it, and it's on their YouTube channel. It's like, come on, guys. So we, you know, we have to file a copyright claim, and eventually it gets taken down. But you know, it's just, it's just amazing. Look, something is going on, and every every Friday night, uh, the History Channel on their Ancient Aliens, you know, and Giorgio Sukalos and the crew. I mean, they're all great guys, and I know some of them. And I know you know some of them too, Stephen. But you know, they they hold court. They dominate the conversation. They tell us that we received it here by extraterrestrials. And, and we're going, you know, I know Steve and Tom and, and Timothy and, and, and Gary Stearman and others are waving their hands and going, wait, not so fast, citizen, that what you think is happening, this idea of panspermia and that we were seated here by extraterrestrials and all these monuments like Sacsayhuaman and Oyotan Tambo and Puma Punku seem to be vestiges of, you know, the, the Anunnaki or these ancient astronauts coming. Okay, that's one idea. That's one theory. But we, as Christians plug in a whole different deal from Scripture, from the biblical prophetic narrative. And we know, believe, and we know that fallen angels were here, fallen angel technology, Nephilim architecture, we both call it that, Steve, and it's everywhere. And we've got the explanation. Because, look, when the flood happened, when you go to and you look at those huge megalithic stones, you know, we're going to be there on that tour, and that's folks not for it. The bottom line is this. When you're looking at 120-ton megalithic stones set with absolute precision, polygonal shapes set with absolute precision, I mean, you can't, until you're there and you see it with your own eyes and you go, oh, my gosh, and then you realize it's andesite, seven on the most hardness scale, a diamond being ten. And you realize, wait a minute, you know, all they have is llamas here. And this is thousands of years old, and and the quarry is like miles away. Wait a minute, it's not. How did they move the stone, let alone cut it? How did they quarry it? And look, if it's one thing, if it was just blocks, it's not blocks. They're polygonal shaped, and sometimes there's these little curves that just, you know, they do it because they can do it. And the technology that we are looking at defies anything that we have in modernity. So we look at sites like this, and we realize that, you know, we go back into Genesis 6, biblical narrative, we go even before that, Genesis 3.15, where all the mischief really starts, and we get the idea of the seed war, and then the whole thing erupts. The whole thing erupts in Genesis 6, which winds up eventually with the flood of Noah. There's a little throwaway scripture, and I remember when I when I saw this, and I just felt it was a Holy Spirit thing, you know, I, I keep, you'll read, and I, all you guys know this, most of your listeners know this, you know, we'll be reading scripture and we've been, Spirit will illuminate a, a, a passage of scripture, will we'll give us an insight, will make something pop off the, the page at us. And one of the things that I got was in the Genesis biblical narrative, specifically after the flood, and they're building a tower of Babel, and it says, they built with with brick instead of stone. I'll say it again. They built with brick instead of stone. Why is that there? Why is that there? And in my opinion, 
It's because the technology that they had before the flood, which enabled them to erect these megalithic sites of, of stone, are no longer available. And now what we see is they, they can't do that anymore. So they're and they're using bitumen or slime for mortar, and that's the whole deal. Once again, what are they trying to do? They're trying to bring the fallen ones back again because they want the technology. They want what the fallen ones have. And I just found that absolutely astounding. And, of course, it's everywhere. I mean, it, it's it, we, we see it in, in, in Sardinia. We see it all throughout the Middle East. We see it in the pyramids off the coast of Japan, Mexico. I mean, it is absolutely everywhere. Fallen angel technology, Nephilim architecture. Well, totally agreed. And by the way, L.A., you're cutting out a little bit, so I don't know if you're on a cell or whatever, but uh, sometimes no, it sounds excited. like com complete things are, are um, you know, uh, we're, we're missing some parts. So, Doug, are you getting it or are you losing? Because this is such an important show. I consider this, I'll tell you what I consider. I consider this a master lock show. I consider that it's at this time that L.A. and I are on together on Hagman and Hagman to tell you guys we wouldn't be at this point in history if something so big was getting, and pun intended, uh, or all those things that are so big are going to be released. Now, why do we do this as Christians? I had a guy, L.A., send me an email, very ignorant man, but saying this is all sidetracking. No, it isn't. If Jesus said the greatest deception that is coming upon the planet is going to come, and except for if God didn't, uh, what would you say, shorten the days, even the elect would be deceived. That's what we're seeing in um, Antarctica. That's what we're seeing in everything. And right now, ladies and gentlemen, it's that critical. And so that's what we're talking about tonight. And again, in the fallen angel technology, I want everybody to understand this, that there's the period before the flood, which I basically, uh, you know, pre-flood and post-flood architecture. What L.A. just said about the Tower of Babel, Babel, some people get bent out of shape over Babel, Babel. But the point is, is that the technology after the flood was totally different than before the flood. We're talking about Noah. And uh, the point that is critical for everyone to understand is the Aztec, the Inca, and the Maya all talked about the giants that came from the east. And by the way, they claimed they were white. So um, this isn't a white, black, brown man argument, but it is claims that even within their own civilization, as I've stated so many times, you cannot deal with the South Pacific. You cannot deal with any group of individuals worldwide and not deal in the ancient times with cannibalism. Cannibalism is interesting. The world the word canna comes from Canaan. The word Baal comes from Baal worship. The sacrifice of the Canaanites was they ate people. That's what you basically hear in Numbers 1333, where there were giants in the land, and the land devours its inhabitants. In other words, they were munching and taking everybody out to lunch, but they were on the menu. And so, again, can, can everyone focus, please, and just embrace in prayer the reason this is critical and important. The Bible says, surely the Lord God will do nothing except he reveals the secrets to his servants of prophets. Neither L.A. or I have ever claimed to be prophets. But the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So, while well, everyone's fighting about this political
political issue or this financial issue. The thing is, the real issue is happening in the Antarctica, and it's also happening in the Arctic. Remember this, ladies and gentlemen, when Admiral Byrd entered into the hollow earth, whether you believe it or not, it was in the Arctic. The statement he made, it was possible these flying uh, machines to go from pole to pole in a matter of minutes. So now we're at a point where the old technology is coming in. And, and as I have warned, and L.A. has warned, and that's why he's doing all the genetic testing uh, that he's having done. And, when, and L.A., you know, when you told me that you got to wait for so many years, God bless you for having that kind of patience. You know, I think I would, uh, uh, you know, I would, uh, i got to say this carefully, I would be going different channels, you know, uh, you know and I, we'll just leave it that way. The point is, is that, that in everyone who I have ever talked to, look, I could not know these people, and that's what I'm trying to tell people. Any more than had that guy not contacted you, the shooter, God bless you, shooter, God bless you, pilot, you guys know we really appreciate you, and please, ladies and gentlemen, pray for their safety. Just say, Lord, just cover the shooter and the pilot with your presence, your warring angels. I'm not kidding, because listen, what we're doing, any of us, whether it's L.A., myself, Timothy Alberino, Tom Horn, we are alive by the purpose and calling of God, the grace of God, and your prayers. Contrary to all of our critics, contrary to all the doubts of skeptics, of paid trolls, listen, you do not have the world's leaders, according to my information source today, who is in Antarctica up until, forgive me, was in Antarctica up until last week, and I can't even say what he told me yet. It's not a cliffhanger. It's just what I have permission to do and what I don't have permission to do. But it all centers around, listen, Antarctica, giants, ancient civilization, the panspermia lie. The panspermia lie is that we were seeded by uh, aliens or the Anunnaki. And one guy said, well, you know, the Bible just took off the Sumerian text. No, it didn't. The Sumerian text, and look, in, in Jeremiah chapter 4, God talked about a flood that's even different than the flood of Noah in the angelic civilization. And, L.A., what do you think of this, that today, literally today, and, and I, I don't know, I, I don't believe there's coincidence, but it's timing that James Cameron talks about Atlantis Rising. Now, if you don't know who he is, he's the uh, uh, producer, director of the Titanic, right. of the Avatar right. movies, and of, uh, you know, uh, oh, Predator, uh, not Predator, uh, uh, Terminator <laughs> movies. And so that all happens today. And then the people who have not believed in the supercontinent, some people call it Pangea, and that's a time frame different than Gondwana land. That's a mouthful. So, again, ladies and gentlemen, what you're seeing, I guess, is, and I'm going to use a word and apply it to tonight with everyone's permission, you're hearing discernment because just as CERN is opening up the portals to hell and all these, uh, you know, demons dancing before uh, their uh, throne of Lucifer slash Satan, we're telling you that God is giving you the truth in order that you not be deceived. And, and that's a commandment of Jesus. See that ye not be deceived. If he is telling that, then we've got to watch for his warnings. And I don't know if you do, and I'm going to turn right to, over to you, L.A., that if, if you get as much 
you know, let's just say this, difficulty with people asking, why is this important? Because everything that is in Genesis appears in Revelation. Everything that we're talking about is the war. And let me go on record here uh, that the army, in Joel's army, I talked to Dr. Michael Lake, and he absolutely does a beautiful job on this, but Joel's army is a supernatural army of giants released at the very end of history. And I, and I, I don't know if you heard this, L.A., but I, I was praying about that, and then it just came to me again in one of my shower episodes. You know, I, I should just stay in there and have a phone, but the point being, then I get more revelation. But the fascinating thing is, is that when you take all the giant DNA, the 15-footer that you, uh, you know, are reporting, the shooter talking about Kandahar Giant, the pilot, 12-foot giant, all that DNA is extractable and reproducible. Go ahead, sir. Well, you know, Steve, everything that we're talking about is, I think, is cutting edge. And the reason for this is, you know, Jesus warns us. Jesus warns us it'll be like the days of Noah when he returns. And that is a very pregnant statement. That's a statement that's so charged, and yet most people just go, oh, isn't that interesting? And they turn the page of the Bible and let's go on. That tells us everything. And a, and a, a careful, look, a biblical student will look at that and realize that that's a supernatural flare. That's a biblical flare that Jesus is shooting up going, hey, guys, you need to go back to the days of Noah and understand what happened then. And, of course, what we see are these monstrous giants running all over the earth. Now, isn't it interesting that um, all this has been covered up? And I want to, you know, we'll probably get into this in the second hour, which we're actually coming up to, the idea of the way bones have been uncovered, photographs were taken, and those photographs have been redacted, they've been burned, they've been covered up. The bones are you've been given to the Smithsonian, never to be seen again. The bottom line is, Jesus warns us, it's going to be like the days of Noah. And when you talk about James Cameron, he's talking about, and I'm familiar with them, yes. And we're talking about the chimeras that, that were over the weekend, you know, the pig and human chimeras. I mean, this is it, folks. We are in the window of time, which in my opinion is similar. It's not exactly like the days of Noah. It's It's a pseudographic book, and I understand all that. But it's quoted 70 times in the Tanakh, and Jude quotes the entire paragraph. We can certainly appreciate the historicity of the book of Enoch, and Enoch tells us that the fallen angels, the fallen ones, sinned against the animal kingdom, creating chimeras. The stuff we read about in Greek mythology is real. Centaurs, minotaurs, fawns. I've got, I've got stories which I've never gone public with because I can't possibly vet them. Uh, a, a woman who's an ambulance, a guy who's an ambulance driver, uh, down in the Four Corners area. I'll just tell you the story. The first time I've ever told the story, okay? And it's bizarre. It's bizarre. And I get it. And I have no way to vet it except talking to this person several times on the phone. They seem to be telling me the truth. And I almost made a trip down there to meet them and, and, and go to the area. Anyway, let me just cut to the chase. So this person's an ambulance not a driver, let me back up. The person is um, basically like a medic in an ambulance, okay? And first responder type. <clears throat> and she, uh, this woman is on a call, and there's a man and a woman. The woman is, is being rushed to the hospital, and her husband is there in the ambulance. And, you know, they've got her hooked up with the IVs and the whole thing. They've got her stabilized. And the guy turns to her, and out of the blue, this he's a Native American, 
out of the blue, he starts telling her a story that about a week or two ago, they were coming back to their house, and they live in a very remote area near the Four Corners on the Apache Reservation, near the Apache Reservation. And they saw, and they didn't, they didn't know what to call them. They didn't know what to call them. They, they had no, no name in their lexicon to call them. They just said, we saw these creatures. They had bodies of horses, but from the waist up, they were men. And it appears to be a family. There was a man and a woman and a smaller youth. And the smaller one was, was right by the house. And they were talking. And we heard them talk. And all of a sudden, they realized we were there. And they galloped off and vanished. Now, that's a centaur. Um, that's bizarre. That's beyond bizarre. I've never heard anything like that before. And that's startling information. You heard it first on Agman Ammon. I've never gone public with that. There's no way to vet it. So, folks, you know, you're listening to that. Call me crazy. But the reason why I bring that up is because we are told to like the days of Noah. And this, the, this, the chimeras, chimeras were in the days of Noah. And this is one reason why the flood, there were these monstrosities. Who knows, you know, the whole Greek mythos, centaurs, cyclopses, minotaurs, all this stuff, the work of the fallen angelic cults. And now we're seeing it again right here in modernity. That's a, a great place to, wow. to stop. Um, yeah. Steve in L.A., we are up against our top-of-the-hour break. Folks, you're listening to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report with both L.A. Marzulli from lamarzulli.net and Steve Quayle from stevequayle.com. They will be with us for the next hour, and we're going to continue to talk about their discoveries and, and findings. Fascinating, man. Absolutely. Historic program. Yes, it is. So don't go anywhere. And also in the third hour, Stan Dale will be our guest. So we have a, a full house tonight as well. We'll be right back after these short messages. You're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Don't go anywhere. to HagmanReport.com. Click on the link to Greenovative. What Greenovative is, it's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right, You need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a thing, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG chargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about 8 ounces. It's durable. It's EMP proof. And it's environmentally friendly. Yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, six AA batteries off the grid when other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night. Go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Perhaps you're a business out there, a small business. Would you like to extend the reach of your business? I bet you would. 
Would you like to, to have the same opportunities as companies such as Omaha Steaks and Pro Flowers and, and Casper Mattress and some of the bigger companies out there? Would you like to have that same power? Advertise on our program. Go to HagmanandHagman.com or send an email to opportunities at HagmanandHagman.com. If you go to HagmanReport.com and HagmanandHagman.com, there's a link where you can, you can, you can, it's a big red box. You'll see it. You'll see it. Click on that link and go ahead and read the benefits that we have created for you. I think it's, I think it's a fabulous opportunity. For investors, timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash, trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified, accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288, PreciousTimberProfits.com. This edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Two very special people. Our guest, Steve Quayle, stevequayle.com, L.A. Marzulli, lamarzulli.net. First time on international radio, Global Star Radio Network, BTR, and YouTube Live. Before we get back to them very quickly, Green Innovative, they've done it again, folks. You know Green Innovative? Greenovative.com, the producers of the Super GMAG power battery char- charger. Well, guess what? I had a twist Allen Riggs arm. But uh, they're going to make well. They're making right now another special good deal for you folks, our listeners. You, you got to admit this. This is great for Valentine's Day. Fourteen percent off for the month of February. That's one four. Fourteen percent off for the month of February. That gives you more batteries and adapters at a reduced price. You got to use the coupon code Hagman. You know what they make? They make battery chargers that run off of salt and water. That's greenovative.com. Enter the coupon code Hagman. Greenovative.com. Enter the coupon code Hagman. And of course, go to stevequail.com. Click on the link to his um, Q, uh, uh, his video, uh, his video section. We're going to be linking to it as well. I, I put it in our uh, in our communicator message uh, flash out. But anyway, having said that, and also lamarzilli.net, both fine gentlemen. Steve, I'm going to kick it to you, and then you can kick it back and forth. Go ahead, sir. Okay, and and, and I'm going to share something. I won't give out the dates and details, but L.A., myself, Tom Horn, Dr. Michael Lake, Timothy Alberino, and Anselm P. Rambla will be at a specific event that we're going to sponsor. It's going to be different than any conference, any seminar, seminar undertaken. Uh, it's it's in order to impart everything that L.A. is going to, and each speaker is going to have three hours. Okay, Doug, we've only got six, uh, I'm sorry, six speakers. 
be announcing that on Hagman and Hagman, but I'll also be announcing it on my YouTube channel. Obviously, LA will be on his website. Uh, we're excited about this because, again, it's not just speculation. Uh, LA, how long have you been at this? I just want to share your t- your time and my time together. I mean, we're talking a lot of decades. You know, you're right. I mean, if I, if I really want to go back to when I started it, um, you know, I was reading Secrets of the Great Pyramid around 16 to 18 years old. So that's like 1966. And I know, we, you know, it's like I wasn't like doing it full time, but I was like drawn to this stuff. And I wasn't even a Christian then. So if it goes back, I mean, serious for me from like 1990, that's when it became like, okay, now I'm about to write a book. But I'm like you, I've been writing this, looking at this stuff and, and was fascinated. Even I, I remember reading Secrets of the Great Pyramid, Peter Tompkins, as a kid. I think it was like 17 or 18. And just going, oh, my gosh, there's no way anybody built this thing. And I've always wanted to go there, and I haven't been. That's on the bucket list. With the Middle East the way it is, who knows? But, you know, decades. You're right. Well, again, you know, and I've been at this for realistically 40 years, you know, and it's a real deal. Now, here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I'm going to start upgrading my uh, YouTube channel. I used to say I wouldn't uh, have one, but then I had to because I thought there were only, you know, 145 people pretty much impersonating me until I started to go out and have my legal team, uh, you know, police it. So, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to subscribe to my YouTube channel, my official YouTube channel. You go up on my website, stevecoil.com, and click on uh, Steve's official YouTube channel because that's the only one that's real and it's mine because there's going to come a time, and I'm not set up yet, uh, you know, to do uh, telephone stuff and alerts and everything, but the alerts, uh, I can go to my TV studio place, and that's where our Skype is set up because we have fast enough uh, uh, internet connections to do it. So again, uh, please subscribe to my YouTube channel because this stuff is breaking so fast. And, and LA, my guess is you'll be forced to, to uh, not when I say forced, you will have to do this because so much stuff will break. And everyone who's listened to you for the time you've been at it, listen to me for the time I've been at it, that's watched the Alberino analysis, that's read Tom Horn's books, that basically have read Dr. Michael Lake's book, and who have been following our mutual DVDs and presentations. All of you who get it should not be taken by surprise. And God is warning you for a purpose. You know, I had one really snickering, cackling, uh, I would call cacophonous uh, entity from hell say, this is all irrelevant because I feel it. It's irrelevant. Well, I'll tell you what, then, lady, you don't know your Bible, and it was a woman, and lady, you don't understand history. And just because three people who dislike me or dislike whoever is the person talking, that doesn't make 40 years worth of research footnoted with thousands of, of, of uh, uh, footnotes, maybe 10,000 footnotes. Somebody took me to task on that. I went and added up all my footnotes, and it was right about that, you know, 11 different books. So the thing is, is that we're now in the point where everything that L.A. has been putting out, everything that myself, Timothy Alberino, have been putting, putting out, our joint ventures, Tom Horn. And by the way, L.A., when we were in the desert southwest, which will be in the third uh, installment, the True Legends of the series, there were giants. In meeting with the top 
top Native American, uh, highest ranking, if you will, mutual respected, uh, if you will, seers in the entire Pueblo Nation. He was talking about them being able to, able to open portals and that the giants will come through and tell them that they're getting ready to come forth. Now, I don't know what's holding them back at this point, and there are many portals that are opening, and just like the uh, uh, satyrs and the centaurs that you just talked about, everything that you and I are talking about is now being experienced in real time someplace in the world. And when we were in the desert southwest, they even talked about a society of initiates, initiates, I guess, or people initiated at a certain point in their development in the Native American culture and ways that they have a giant, if you will. This is no kidding. They would call it a giant society. And, and we talked to a couple of really, really highly respective uh, elders, you know, in the Pueblo Indians. And uh, the thing is, is you can't separate what you just said about the satyrs is exactly what they're describing also. And ladies and gentlemen, that'll be uh, appearing in the third episode of uh, True Legends. And again, I want to share this because we've only got this hour. For those of you that want to go on the Cusco trip uh, and be with, uh, uh, you know, L.A. Marzulli, Timothy Alberino, myself, and Anselm, uh, you need to go to truelegendstheseries.com and let us know that you want to go. You'll have to send uh, 50% because, look, we have to we have to secure uh, all the hotel rooms, the transportation, uh, the in-country flights. That's paid for, but you're getting to Cusco is on your own. We'll all meet up in Lima and then take an in-country flight, and then we will give an absolute, uh, uh, I guess you'd say, and, and L.A., you've been there before, so wouldn't you say what we're going to do uh, collectively is going to be amazing? Absolutely, Steve. It's just uh, for, for those of you who have never been or, or look at the pictures, it, it's a once in a lifetime trip. I mean, it really is. It, it's absolutely astounding to go to these places and, and look at them. And, and it's funny if, if, if you're you know you're going to be with us, so we're going to be telling you what what we think it is. Obviously, this is fallen angel technology from our point of view. But when you actually uh, overhear what the status quo is, what the um, archaeologists and what the um, the party line is in Peru. It's it's all Inca, and we're looking at this going. No, it's not. Inca couldn't make this if their life depended on it. In fact, we've got and this is the work of Brian Forrester. Hats off to you, Brian. Um, Brian had a book. Uh, one of the conquistadors, a a priest, apparently wrote this this uh, down, and basically it was stating that when the conquistadors got to Cusco, they asked the Inca. Who built Sacsayhuaman? And the Inca said it was here. The giants built it. We didn't build it. The giants built it. But see, the moment you go there, it's like, whoa, that that verifies the biblical prophetic narrative. And that's what's at stake here, really, that there is a hidden history in the world, that something did happen on this planet in the far distant past. The Bible speaks of it. Over and over and over again, the Bible warns us it'll be like the days of Noah. But mainstream archaeology, because of the Darwinian paradigm, which is sacrosanct in both uh, academia and the scientific community, that's it. They they never ever ever talk about this stuff. And if they do, if, if by some chance someone discovers an artifact that's out of place, like I did at Catalina Island 
with the nine-footer that we discovered that was vetted by three different people. One photograph showing Ralph Gooden, who was a primitive archaeologist, 1919 and 1921, standing in a very recently excavated grave, and in front of him, in situ, not a disarticulated bone pile, is the bones of a nine-footer, which is what he said. It was in the L.A. Times. It's there. So it's one of two things. If it was a hoax, why didn't Glidden ever do anything with it? He never did anything with it. There, there was, you know, th that picture would never made it to the L.A. Times, but he talked about nine-footers. That picture I discovered in the archives on the Catalina Island Museum, stuffed away in a plastic sleeve, in a manila envelope, in a museum box, in a vault. That's where all this stuff was. And they, they allowed me to go in. I was there for 10 hours, poured over everything, and that became the basis of Amitra of Nephilim, uh, Volume 2. And what we discovered was incredible. When we went back to the museum, about eight months later, and I was on the History Channel in the interim when my book got published. Uh, they had a show called In Search of the Lost Giants, and I was on because they wanted me to talk about this photograph. When we went back to Catalina, the photograph was up on the wall, blown up. In other words, all of a sudden they were very interested in it. Underneath the photograph was a hit piece on Ralph Gooden, just saying it was a little more than a grave robber, and he was wasn't really an archaeologist. I mean, a hit piece on Ralph Gooden. Here's the rub. They took the photograph, they blew it up, and they redacted the giant skeleton that was in that photograph. It's no longer in that photograph. It's been cropped. It's been cropped out of the photograph. That is deliberate obfuscation. I found other photographs, six fingers, another nine-footer that was there. We found... Uh, very elongated skulls. I mean, it's right there. You can look at it. That's not normal. Two elongated skulls, one a female. The other one seems to be a child. We're not sure what happened to them. Obviously, you know, the bones were excavated by Ralph Gooden. What happened to them is anyone's guess. Uh, we, we, the High Museum, which Ralph Gooden was employed by, uh, was, was basically swallowed up by the Smithsonian. And as the story goes, a lot of these bones were crated up and... There was a storm when the ship came, and they were loaded onto a ship, and the ship was supposed to be sailing, and the ship uh, went down in the Channel Islands, uh, in that very, very deep channel that separates where Catalina is from the mainland, about 26 miles away from the coast of California. So isn't that convenient? Bottom line, that's real evidence, real photographic evidence that something is there. And when you go to Saksewaman, when you go to Oyatintambo and other places... Olivia. I mean, it's 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 screaming at you. There's a hidden history, and you'll want to go on this tour. And by the way, you know, Steve was talking about YouTube. Exactly. We've got now we're up to like 45,000 uh, YouTube subscribers. We just opened up the channel. It's it's about a little over a year old. 45,000 subscribers. We're delighted. La Marzulli. Visit Steve's channel. Visit my channel. I update. Try to do an update every single day for my TV studio here. There's so much going on, so much to talk about. PPS Report is the website, but L.A. Marzulli on YouTube, and you can uh, sign up. Just sign up and, and uh, um, get the updates. Well, I think that that's critical, L.A., and I would encourage you, because ladies and gentlemen, obviously, for the first time in history, I, I don't think people understand this. This is a, I know you get it, Doug, and I know that it's really becoming apparent to a lot of you, but when 
God takes A and B, puts it together, and and causes it to be C. There's a limit of my algebra. The bottom line is, is that now we've got, hey, a composite picture that's forming. Listen, Tim Alberino, when he went, and, and this is amazing because, you know, I mean, thank God that, I mean, he lives and dreams of stuff like we do. I mean, he just, like, works 18 hours a day sometimes also. But everybody that is in our field, your partner, my partner, Tom Horn, you've appeared on Skywatch, we've appeared, God bless Bob Ulrich, Gary Stearman, we've appeared on a lot of stuff, but you know, it's now, L.A., that people are starting to uh, really get the importance of it. Let me share something that's interesting. In Sardinia, some people believe that's Atlantis. I'm not saying that James Cameron says that Santorini obviously is Atlantis. There are people that have placed Atlantis all over the world, but I'll tell you something interesting. I'm going to read this, an 1852 piece, okay, and it's called Works of the Giant Races, and it's uh, astonishing because even the Jesuits, before they started coming up, uh, were basically uh, telling everybody these were the giants in Sarda, and Sarda is obviously where you get the word uh, Sardinia, so I'm going to read this because it's really critical. In Sardinia, the history is that they have these towers, they're circular towers, and they're called uh, the Naragi Towers. And they have what's called a chamber of incubation. So it appears, and here's what happened, Ellie, and you're going to pick up on this quick, and we haven't talked about this until now, and this is going to go into our new uh, uh, true legends, there were giants. There is no way to dismiss eyewitness testimony. There is no way to dismiss the detail that some of these people gave, and I think I said this the other day, um, when Tim and the film crew were in Sardinia at a contemporary giant dig, the Vatican helicopter was overhead, and they actually got a shot of it, and basically watching every move they made. I know Tim and our cameraman and, uh, uh, you know, were staying, like, it was like Raiders of the Lost Ark. There's always somebody, my term, uh, creepy in the corner, and uh, bureaucrats on their cell phones watching them. But here's the interesting thing. I'm going to read this. The chamber of incubation, the giants were buried, and there are records, L.A., of the giants being buried north to south and east to west, stacked on each other like you'd stack firewood or a funeral pyre. And the Sardinians have uh, interesting, if you will, uh, ceremonies where they dress up like the Naragi, and it's identical to the Germani tribes that are, you know, uh, throughout the country. By the way, the Germani, the actual Germani, from which I get the word Germany, and it doesn't come from Germanic, were a tribe of giants. And when you go on my website, you'll see the giants, you know, slaughtering the Romans in that one uh, sculpture piece. And uh, 35,000 Romans died in one day. But they would go into this chamber of incubation. Now, here's where it gets interesting. The giants in stasis, stasis, suspended animation, their brain waves are so active that even in stasis, the people, if you will, the Sardinians, the descendants, 
Atlanteans, by the way, many of them believe they're the descendants of Atlantis. Interesting, huh? They would go into these incubation chambers and they would basically sit or lay themselves down on the uh, ground. The giants were underneath and they would have, if you will, the equivalent of a vision quest, but it was telepathically inserted in their brains. Some people say, I don't believe that. Well, again, go back a few years and I'm told by a general of the Red Line in Dulce, New Mexico, everyone remembers the alien wars in Dulce. If you don't, Dulce is spelled D-U-L-C-E. And by the way, we saw a strange phenomenon in the sky on a 24, not 24, excuse me, a 12-hour time lapse. And it appeared that many of the uh, airplanes were flying into the area of Dulce, New Mexico. But what was interesting, L.A., and everyone, you've heard parts of this, but you haven't heard it since we've been down in the desert southwest, because the desert southwest plays very predominantly in what we're talking about today with the Native Americans, obviously the Egyptians' presence, through DNA traceable uh, uh, genomes and uh, traceable genomes, the Smithsonian cover-up. But what's fascinating is in Dulce, I had a general tell me that they had some live giants in titanium cages. I think he said that the bars were like 36 inches in diameter. Again, ladies and gentlemen, you think this is all BS, uh, take it to the Lord in prayer. And I'll take you from here to the Himalayas. And he specifically said that uh, some foreign scientists did not believe that they were not to step over the red line. When they did, and he, I, I believe he said, and I could be wrong by one or two, but he said a dozen of these guys literally, and here's what he said, the telepathic powers of them literally took them apart. And I think one of the Giants escaped, and what didn't put them out, you know, physically, or let's just say this, through brainwave assault, they literally got torn to pieces. Now, fast forward to the Himalayas and Dr. Moldeshev, one of the most famous Russian optic surgeons in the world. And he's been looking, obviously, all over the world for the third eye, or the Cyclops. We can get to that maybe in another show, and all the Greek mythology, the difference between the Olympians and the Titans, the Titans obviously being the first generation of fallen angels, the Olympians being the second. But the fact that is so astonishing to me is that that you, you listen to Dr. Moldeshev's statement and the monks that took him into a cave high up in the Himalayas, and they told him, do not go past this line. Now, he's a doctor, because they said your head would explode. He said the minute he even got close, because obviously, you know what he's thinking? He's thinking, I'm a doctor, I'm going to check this out. He said the most incredible pain in the world, and here's a medical doctor saying this happened to him. So, What's important is, and I think people need to understand this, that when we're talking about Sardinia and we're talking about the Naragi and we're talking to that's both the people, the culture is very interesting because all of these ceremonies uh, center around giants. And if you look at Sardinia, and, and again, um, with the aerial cameras we got and all the stuff we've got of that, whenever you see giant mounds that are pyramidal shaped, it's almost like at some point in history, people decided to make sure that 
that the evidence was covered up, not just the Smithsonian. So let me see. I want to. I want to read this about Sardinia because this blew my mind. Tim found this in some obscure thing, and I believe that God has led your team, L.A. Marzulli, to those specific points in time. He's led us to the specific points in time when Tom Horn was in the desert southwest, doc, talking to Dr. Mose and talking, or uh, you know, at the Mount Graham Telescope, the Lucifer Telescope. We're all at the place we are to be in time and space. Now listen to this, and I'm going to translate the, the Latin into English. Not that I read it, but in this one, it's easy. The sepulcher are peculiar to the island of Sardinia, being entirely different in point of size and character from any other uh, sepulcher remains. Judging from the many remains of those partially destroyed, their numbers must have been considerable. It's claimed there are 30,000 of these towers, okay? The Sards, or the Sardinians, believe them to be veritable tombs of giants, and that there may be legends uh, of their existence in the island, and is undeniable as a similar belief is found almost in all countries. And that's true. And it's fascinating to me. Now listen to this. Uh, in speaking of the Naragi and the sepulture, they observe that if a Canaanitist race, now this is interesting, and they're talking about Canaanites, and the Canaanites were obviously giants, uh, they, they came to this island and they practiced cannibalism too. As a matter of fact, the footage, LA, that we've got in Sardinia of a ceremony of cannibalism, it appears to be a ceremony of cannibalism, and I can't even talk on this show because obviously I don't know who's listening. I don't mean uh, spooks and paid trolls, but there may be children. But the, how do I say this? The appetites of the giants and their human uh, consorts, meaning those that waited on them hand and foot, are so hideous, so wretched. You know what you think? You you think, I, I know this is going to sound strange to people, but you're reading WikiLeaks on Pedagate. I am not kidding when I talk about that, okay? And I, I, I can't go any deeper. I'm going to read this poem, and then I'm going to turn it over to you. This is by Randy Conway, and I love this stuff because it's really critical. This guy's an anointed, in my opinion, poet. Uh, those of you who have read his stuff in my dreams and visions, but I'll read this. As it was in the days of Noah. As it was in the days of Noah, the watchers are not far. As it was in the days of Noah, not every light is star. As it was in the days of Noah, the principalities reign. As it was in the days of Noah, the seed of man is stained. As it was in the days of Noah, the Nephilim influence can still be seen. As it was in the day of Noah, prophets are scoffed at as men with fantastic dreams. As it was the days of Noah, a day of the Lord is coming soon. As it was the days of Noah, what ancient terrors seek man's doom? As it was the days of Noah, do we know the truth from a lie? As it was the days of Noah, how many men will die? Go ahead, L.A. That's from Randy Conway. And again, we are telling people we are in the days of Noah, and it's more than there is just violence in the earth. Go ahead, sir. You know, it's, it's absolutely incredible, the window of time that we find ourselves in. And, you know, you, you said something a little earlier, Steve. I just want to kind of tag team onto that if I can. You, know, you talked sure. about Tom, Tom Horn and Gary Stearman and, you know, Timothy Alberino, your research, my research. There definitely seems to be things are converging. God's brought us together. I mean, it's the first time you and I have ever done a show like this. 
and it's on Hagman and Hagman. I mean, it's a real honor to be doing this. And what's fantastic is we're teaming up to try to bring this information any way we can, you know, to, to, to the people. I mean, that's, that's really what it's about. You know, when you mentioned, um, your series. We, I've got a new series I'm starting called The Watchman Chronicles, the first, um, a slight departure from, uh, the idea of a Nephilim, but it's all linked back to the same thing. It's on the UFO phenomenon. I know you've written about that, Steve, extensively. And it's called In Their Own Words. And I've gone around the United States. And everybody in the film is a born-again, spirit-filled Christian. Guess what? They've had encounters. Most of them, close encounters were the first kind. But we've got people that have had close encounters of the third and fourth kind. And that is chilling. And how they broke it by calling upon the name of Jesus. They became born-again and spirit-filled, and their abduction stopped. We also, and this is a first, I'm telling you on Hackman, I haven't said it to anybody else, but it's in the film. There was a man who was OSS. Uh, World War II OSS, he was in his 90s, he's died a while back, okay? And this couple was taking care of him. And this guy basically, it was a deathbed confession, he died a month after he told them. And, you know, they they know they knew this man, his name was Colonel Hill, they knew him for about two years. They got very friendly with him. And the reason why they got to know him, because they would visit him, and they were involved in reducing his estate, selling off different parts of the estate. That's what this woman does. And it's a husband and wife team. They come on the record. They look right at the camera. And, by the way, they're pastors. And they go, what you're about to hear is true. You know, the, the testimony that we're giving you is true. That's what they look right at the camera and say that. And there's zero negative body language. They're telling us the truth. And towards the end of this man's life, Colonel Hill, Carolyn asked him, um, what about Roswell? Just kind of blurted it out one day because they knew that this guy was OSS. They knew he had a top security clearance. They knew he was a, a, a professional interrogator. He had four degrees, sociology, psychiatry, and two others, which I don't remember offhand. And they asked him, what about Roswell? Now, I've never stated this before. It's in the film, in their own words. You can go to the watchmanchronicles.com or L.A. Marzulli. We're doing a pre-sale. Shameless plug. Please forgive me. But that's what keeps the wheels going, folks. Anyway, to get back to the story, this is what happened. He, he, Colonel Hill, you know, kind of bowed his head down let out a deep sigh, picked his head up, and looked at them and said, it's all true. It wasn't a weather balloon. It's all true. And then he proceeded to tell them the story. He was in Dallas-Fort Worth, and right after the crash, he was called in to Roswell because this guy is OSS, high, high security clearance. He's a professional interrogator. That's what this guy does. He told uh, the witnesses that when he got there, there were two bodies that he saw. One had, one was deceased. The other one was still alive, and they were feverishly trying to revive it, keep it alive. He tried communicating it with it, but it, apparently it, it, that didn't work. Um, they asked him, Carolyn, the witnesses asked him, what differentiated, what did it look like? It was a small being under five feet. It had like a gray jumpsuit, and... You know, very large head, the black eyes, the whole deal. But what astounded them and astounded Colonel Hill, it had six fingers. The being had six fingers. And all this, of course, you know, this is like they've never come on the record and told anyone. So it's an exclusive in, in, in the uh, in the movie, in their own words, the Watchman Chronicles. And look, folks, something happened at Roswell. There's no doubt about it. 
And I think we're at the cusp. And, and the reason why I say this is because Ancient Alien, Steve Greer, the whole, you know, New Age, UFO people, Alien Con, all those, they, they're waiting expectantly. They think disclosure is going to happen soon. Folks, you got to understand that if the church is still here and, and the United States government, President Trump or whoever announces, or the Russians or the Chinese, someone announces that, that the UFO phenomena is real, or there's a crap that just shows up over some major city and doesn't go away. That's the game changer. That's the game changer. And everything that we're doing converges. The Nephilim, the whole UFO phenomena, what's going on in Antarctica, it all goes back to one source, and that is the fallen ones. The biblical prophetic narrative states it the best, and that's why we're all talking about this stuff, waving our hands as frantically as we can to try to wake up the body of Christ. Amen. Go ahead, Steve. By the way, folks, we blew through the break. Our sponsors, I want to thank our sponsors for taking the hit. Allowing us to take the hit. Go ahead, Steve. Well, do you want to take the break now? No, because no. you know. Okay, no, this okay. is too important. Okay, well, I, I got to share this. Okay, and I know people are responding to you. They respond to me, going, "Wow, wow, wow!" And LA did a beautiful job in saying how it all ties together. What they're going to say in Arica? This is what I have been told. This is what I've been told for years. Again, ladies and gentlemen, I haven't been down there. But when you talk about alien incubation, when you talk about advanced civilizations, when you talk about uh, how the uh, Admiral Byrd's diaries and, and Forrestal, the first Secretary of Defense, being basically uh, assassinated by being uh, thrown out a window at Bethesda you know, Hospital when he wanted to come clean with the people, tell them what's really going on. All of this has been kept under. Here's the thing, L.A., I know you get it, I get it, every single day. Well, if you guys were really telling the truth, why is there that there's not enough evidence? It's really simple. Going back to the words of uh, uh, George Orwell, he who controls the past determines the future or controls the future. Because people have been inundated with total, I would call this, mind rape through the mainstream media, uh, telepresence programming through the, uh, you know, devil vision, and all the different electromagnetic waveforms going on, all the different electromagnetic weapons, all the electromagnetic and different forms of energy used to control uh, weather modification and geoengineering. I'm amazed, and it testifies to the majesty of the living God that any of us can still think. And that brings me to that famous statement in history. Uh, I think it wasn't either Gehring or Goebbels who said, thank God that people don't think, or we couldn't, I'm, I'm paraphrasing this, or we couldn't get away with what we're getting away with. It goes right into the Rockefeller statement when he said, we'd like to thank the mainstream media, if you will, or the press of the world, for keeping our existence hidden until the time to reveal had come. That's a paraphrase. So now what we're telling you, ladies and gentlemen, and by the way, I could not say it better. LA, I, and and you've, you've gone on some of those shows, but continually, I'm sure you're asked, come on this, come on that, but uh, they always want to take what you say to take away from the Word of God and the Bible to underscore what they say. Have you found that out, too? Well, yeah, they're, they're always twisted. I mean, when I was on the History Channel, I, I was on Season 1 and Season 2 of Ancient Aliens, 
And look, I mean, you know, it's their production company, it's their nickel, I get it. Um, but when you blatantly take statements and you, you redirect them so they don't jive with the worldview of the person that you're interviewing, I mean, that's just, that's, that, that's what the media does, our mainstream media does. They twist everything and they spin it and they, they don't tell the truth. And I, I took umbrage with that, quite frankly. And that's the impetus of, that's why we started the Watchers series. And, you know, we've done basically 10.2, 11 DVDs in the Watchers series. And you can go to my website and check that out. And it's everything from the Shroud of Torn, the Torah codes to, uh, what you see down in Peru to UFOs and everything in between. We've been all over the map with all that stuff. And, you know, we had a really good run with Watchers, but I moved on to, uh, Watchmen Chronicles, and that's where I'm really focusing uh, my energies. And, of course, uh, my daily updates. Almost, I'm trying to make them daily updates, five days a week. PPS report, again, on the YouTube channel. Uh, today we had a, a woman that, that sent me this um, Close Encounters with the First Time, Light in the Sky. It's jumping around like crazy. I've seen this. I can't, I can't count how many times I've seen this. Um, but it's, it's anomalous, and that's why we went with it. And she gave me permission to post it. It's up on the YouTube channel, L.A. Marzulli. It's the latest one. And look, folks, I mean, there it is. Something is going on. UFOs appear all around, all over this planet, and they do so with impunity. It's time to start talking about it. It's time not to be afraid, but to start talking about it and, and open up a dialogue. Because I believe, and I know Steve will back me up on this, and if Tom Warren was here, he would too, that... The words of Jesus warn us will be like the days of Noah. And then we read in, in, in 2 Thessalonians that Satan comes with all signs and lying wonders. What are we to make of that? Is that just something, well, you know, it's just a little magic, try not to worry about that. Nonsense. All signs and lying wonders. Folks, if the church is, look, we're already seeing stuff. We're already seeing stuff. So it's, it's not a question of, you know, when it's going to happen or, you know, it, it's already happening for crying out loud. I mean, it, it's it's all around us. Wake up, do some research. Um, we've got lots of stuff. Steve's got lots of stuff. Tom Horn's got lots of stuff. And that's why we do it. Um, you know, it's, it's not a ministry for everybody, but we do it to educate the body of Christ. And that's that's the reason. Point people to Jesus. Well, I want to read Isaiah 13 in the Septuagint, and many thanks again to Tom Horn, because he's the one that brought this to my attention. And by the way, Tom's got a series of books that everybody must get. It's his ancient book series, where he's got the Book of Enoch, he's got uh, the Septuagint. I mean, he's got some neat stuff. But here's what it says in Isaiah 13 in the Septuagint, okay? The vision which Isaiah, son of Amos, saw against Babylon. Lift up a standard on the mountains of the plain, Exalt the voice to them. Beckon with the hand. Open the gates, she rulers. Hey, L.A., you and I and Tom and Timothy Alberino have been talking about the gates when he was in uh, uh, Peru and when he was in Bolivia and when, when he was all over South America. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. gates are, you cannot get away from the desert southwest, the spirals, the gates, the gates, the gates. Now listen to this. Here is the the number three verse. I give command, God speaking, I bring them. Giants are coming to fulfill my wrath, rejoicing at the same time and insulting. In other words, uh, you know, my guess is they'll be quoting, we're back as a destroy. Now, why would God, now here's a question that I'm going to get, you know, I'm sure. Why would a loving God do this? Because when he's talking about this time, all of hell will have have basically
basically formed their battle plans against God. You know, and, and I believe this. Everybody is wondering what the Vatican telescope is looking at and looking for. Well, it's not just the return of, you know, the ancient ones or the fallen angels. They already know about those guys. They're already meeting with Lucifer himself, you know, in the 13th seat. Obviously, that kind of information got Malachi Martin murdered, okay, murdered. But now you've got, if you will, uh, a change and a war in the Roman Catholic Church between traditional Catholics and the Nouveau Catholics, where we're hearing that you can baptize aliens and you can do all this crazy stuff, but don't speak the name of Jesus. So it, when Tom brought up Isaiah 13, and then uh, he started to tie it in with this statement when he was on Mount Graham. Now listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. These are the top exobiologists. An exobiologist deals with alien life forms. These are the top who's who in astronomers. Astronomers from around the world come to see what they see in their infrared telescope with the acronym LUCIFER. And when they turn to Tom Horn and say, sometimes we've got to wait for an hour for the fields to clear because there are so many UFOs. In the last, to what, uh, L.A., in the last week, NASA's killed multiple feeds of, uh, of, of things yep. around the space station. Yep. And yep. Again, what's going to happen, I want to share something with everybody, everyone at this point. Watch Mars now. I said this about Antarctica a year ago in uh, 2000, what would have been December, it would have been 2006, 2015 going into 2016 in my book, obviously, Empire Beneath the Ice, How the Nazis Won World War II. If you understand Operation High Jump and we got our, our let's just say this, our battleships beaten and Russians had film of, uh, you know, the flying saucers, etc., taken down a couple of our aircraft and we beat our tails back to the United States and after that secret treaties were written with the inhabitants of the Antarctic. Now again I know there are people out there that are saying, you know, these guys are on something, or Quail slipped and <laughs> fell and never got back up in his brain. But the thing is, I have talked. This was my calling, and I want to faithfully reproduce it. I can't know. L.A. can't know. Tom can't know. We can't know unless the living God brings those who know across our path. And just like L.A. talked about in my book, Xenogenesis, which is astonishing to me, probably the most important thing I've ever written to where we're at now and where we're headed, whether it's, you know, every day on Drudge, it's something about robot sex or artificial intelligence. Do you understand what all this stuff means? If, ladies and gentlemen, if I tell you, the end of the human race is at hand and it doesn't take Planet X, Nibiru, or uh, Gabriel's Fist, Lucifer's Hammer, any of the names associated with it, to take that out. And people are willingly, willingly contributing to their demise. And by the way, I came up with a new word. It's geneticide. I, I put up a story from MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and they're talking about a guy who's basically going into his uh, advanced uh, laboratory, and he's beginning to go into his own genome, L.A., and change it, okay? Now, uh, if anybody can't figure this out, everything in Genesis, when God created it, it was good, and after his, its kind, and God made the barriers and the boundaries after its kind, and then the Lord himself said, and it was good. Everything you see now in modern science 
in robotics, AI, transhumanism, CRISPR technology, genetic engineering, mutagenic uh, combinations, xenogenesis. Xenogenesis means adding a third genetic strain to the human genome. Uh, babies being born without uh, two parents. Uh, you know, I, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. But I got to tell you something, LA. Again, it's happening before the eyes. And, if, and this is one of Tom Horn's biggest concerns and heartbreaks. People don't get it, but more, uh, I guess you'd say too, Doug, people are not even uh, putting two and two together. And, and simply, it, it's irrelevant to them. And all of the snowflakes, which need a snowplow and snow melt, don't get it. They've already been co-opted. So when you bring all this stuff together, and by the way, let's just put it on this too, Fukushima. I don't know, Ellie. I'm, I'm trying to get answers to this and ask around for the people that you know. But it is my contention that the plutonium leaking from Fukushima that has now shown up on the shores of uh, South America's western shoreline from Peru, Chile, all the way up the coast, and, and in California, the plutonium levels, what I'm trying to say is plutonium-239 has a very, very uh, high, if you will, half-life, what is it, 27, 28,000 years, I'm going just approximations, and it's my contention that that amount of radiation is going to have, if you will, a, a matrix-like effect on a lot of the giants that are in stasis. Because if you notice and think back on all of the, uh, uh, if you will, the early investigations of UFOs, one of the most important uh, things they always had was a Geiger counter. So I don't know, I, I, this is just something that I'm postulating, I'm praying about, but to my knowledge, all of the forest fires that are happening in Chile, I think it's 175,000 miles, square miles, and all of the earthquakes are having there, I believe that all of those events, the forest fires will uncover the ancient civilizations, especially the ruins. You guys who are into Google Earth and are good with it, start watching that area. And I believe literally the Earth is getting ready to vomit up the giants. I'm talking alive, not just a bunch of bones. And that's, ladies and gentlemen, what sets L.A. Marzulli and us apart from everybody else. You can argue about the Smithsonian steel and skeletons. We're telling you we've got eyewitness reports of the actual dead ones, of the actual uh, ability of the giants to heal themselves, and that is like, if you will, they've got a salamander gene, which, by the way, Defense Advanced Research uh, Projects Agency, or DARPA, is incorporating all that and all those, uh, if you will, gigantic characteristics, the ability, by the way, for the olfactory senses to literally smell, S-M-E-L-L, the DNA of individuals. Go ahead, L.A. L.A., you there? Yeah. Beijing, oh, L.A. Sorry. Yeah, no, I'm here. I had, I had my mute on by, by accident. Um, I, I've often postulated that a fallen angel can take one look at a human being and read their DNA. They can know who you are, what your gifts are, what your gifting is, where, where your weaknesses are. They can scan you somehow, and they can see your DNA. They, they know who you are. And Steve just kind of, you know, we've never talked about this. They can smell your DNA. I mean, yeah. I mean, I look, 
we are in a window of time, and people need to understand this. The good news is, out of all this, we're in the midst of a cosmic regime change. So why, yeah, all hell's about to break loose, literally, and we're told that in, in Scripture. I mean, we're, Satan comes with all signs of lying wonders. Read the book of Revelation. I mean, what's coming upon the earth is a time un, which is unprecedented, unlike any other time. We are now in the birth pangs leading up to the Great Tribulation. I don't believe we're in the Great Tribulation, but we're moving up to it. And you'll notice it's not getting any better. You know, everywhere I go, at every conference, I'll say, how many of you think that we're better off now than we were 17 years ago? Not one hand. Not one hand. And this has been like two or three years I've been doing this with that question. Not one hand goes up. Not a one. There's no takers. Everybody knows viscerally that we're in a period of time that is very un un uncertain, unprecedented, unlike any other time before history. I call it, we're in the midst of a cosmic regime change. The, the forces of heaven, the good guys, Jesus is coming back at some point, and I think it's soon. In the meantime, we know that things are ramping up because it's the time of the fallen cherub. It's the time of Hasatan, time of Satan, time of the Antichrist. And I think we're in the window of time where it's, we're, we're seeing all this stuff. It's beginning, it's, be, it's being revealed, um, a little under the table, a little surreptitiously perhaps, but we're getting more and more and more information. And that's why, on one hand, it seems to be troubling. The good news is we are in the midst of a cosmic regime change, which means that Jesus is going to return to this earth sooner than later. And I frankly, I hope it's sooner. Amen to that. Uh, do you want to, you know, you've been very quiet, and you're very, uh, how do I say this, uh, just uh, so gracious to allow L.A. and I, but what are your responses? Okay, you're a host. You know a lot of people uh, listen to you every night all over the world. You know, I mean, we've got millions of listeners. That's not BS. That's real. And as you're sitting here listening, for the first time in history, multiple research uh, streams coming together, painting, uh, I would say, there's no way L.A. and I have ever colluded. That is a fact, okay? And yet tonight, this is a key, and I don't mean that to be a corny term, you know, that unlocks the secret mysteries of the universe, or to quote Carl Sagan, billions and billions of planets, you know, no. That's a poor Carl Sagan, but what are your thoughts? Thanks for asking me that. And just let me say, <laughs> let me say this. A lot of Christians out there have or are wussified. That's not, I, I have a stronger term than that, but not, not our audience, but those people who will take to the blogs, take to the airwaves, take to the uh, message boards and say none of this matters. Let me tell you something. It matters a whole lot because the deception that's coming is exactly built around the uh, architecture which you folks, both you and L.A., have described and are describing. So you got to pay attention to this. Christians need to pay attention. Of this. this is relevant to today more than it was 15, 20 years ago or, or 100 years ago. This is the, the golden nugget, and you both framed this marvelously. And, and my message to the Christians out there who make it a point to rip down this kind of information or to say it's not important or look away or, or whatever the, the case might be, okay, get your head out of your ass and listen. That's the only thing i got to say. And, and I apologize for cussing, but... Well, I don't think that's cussing. You know what I find? And, L.A., I'll let you, uh, you know, chime in, too, just really quick. 
there are so many paid trolls. By the way, it's yeah. an interesting statement. There are so many paid trolls. I'm getting a couple of them tonight, okay? I want to just put this on record one more time. When you get a lieutenant colonel from NORTHCOM and a PSYOPs operation head in your office saying, Steve, exact words, we will do everything and anything within our power to discredit you, Okay, people say, I don't believe that. You're just making this up. Oh, yeah, well, he went to school with my daughter. I actually had a crush on her. And the thing is, her dad and I, or his dad and I, were partners in a couple of uh, uh, things we did out of film school. So when they tell you that, they're not kidding. When the Department of Propaganda comes out from the military and makes propaganda legal, and then they accuse us, guys like you, me, L.A., uh, Tom Horn, you know, and the, the 197 others of false news or fake news, I would just say unto them, and I'll say unto you, devils, woe unto you who call evil good and good evil. God is saying that, woe. And the last thing you ever want to hear from God is, woe unto you who call evil good and good evil. I also want to say, uh, I, I will say this, never in my life, you know, here's what's interesting. Let me, let me back up a minute. People will watch horror movies, and Christians do. Not all Christians do, but, and I want to use the word claimants to Christianity. Jesus basically said, depart from me, ye who work lawlessness, I never knew you. The abrogation of scripture every day, Matthew 18 is irrelevant. If you have odd against your brother, go to him. That's irrelevant now. But yet people will go on diatribes, and they will use no scripture, and at the end of their entire diatribe is me, 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 I, I, I. And here you have us tonight, Doug, and, and we're just two of the guys. Obviously, Timothy Alberino is in my organization and, and, you know, the writer and the director of the True Legends. And, I mean, the guy is gifted. And I'm trying to twist him, if you're listening, I'm trying to twist his arm for you guys to hear one of the most miraculous supernatural testimonies I've ever heard in my life of God meeting a young man going into the jungles of the Amazon, into the most inhospitable place in the world for a very young man to go and find God, and the devil appearing to him as if he were God, trying to deceive him. And some of the most, and I don't want to give away Tim's thing, but I'll tell you what, it's amazing. L.A. just laid it out perfectly. He just told you how it all relates. I've taught people, I believe I've tried, forgive me. I have made the effort to tell people, if you understand the root of evil, then the fruit of evil is so easy to see. Genesis 6 is the root of all evil. When the sons of God saw the daughters of earth were fair and came unto them. One of the things, L.A., that most people, even people who are listening to me right now, and I just got into another argument, and I said I wouldn't, uh, you know, respond to emails, and, and, and I'm praying, pray for me, because, you know, uh, you know, I guess if I were to place a, uh, a, a book up, or even a link, I'd call it the book of nasty people. I mean, some of these people are so uncouth, but the deal is, is they spend more time telling me, or you, or Tim, or Doug, or uh, Tom Horn. Tom says, I just have a delete button. Okay. Well, I have the fist button, and I just break too many of my keypad. I'm just kidding. But the point is, is that 
we're challenging everybody tonight, ladies and gentlemen. When you get done listening to us, take this to the Lord Jesus in prayer. If you are a Christian, take this to the Lord Jesus in prayer and ask him if we are telling you the truth. Because this all makes sense if you go to the Word of God, where Jesus said to his disciples, Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy all the power of the enemy he says in his name the reason the name of Jesus is banished because the devil knows there's power in the name of Jesus there's power in the blood of Jesus there's power in the resurrection of Jesus and what we're trying to tell you is is that look you may not want to deal with this you may want to just put your uh, hands in your ears and go la 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 as somebody accused me of uh, God doing when I pray on the radio and, you know, and the Lord rebuke him in his blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. The bottom line is, is that we're talking about tonight well-researched and, again, countless hours and amazing revelation. If we pray and believe the Lord God of heaven will grant us wisdom and the steps of a righteous man ordered by the Lord, and we're all... L.A., you, I, Tom, Dr. Michael Lake, uh, Timothy Alberino, uh, and when I say Tom, Tom Horn, all of us are falling into step. And I see that as interesting because it's kind of like, come from the four winds, O Spirit of God, and breathe upon these bones that they might live in the book of Ezekiel. And what we're trying to tell people is God's got answers. If you're honest and you seek him with all your heart, look, I'm not about to waste 40 years of my life and I'm 65, so what is that, two-thirds or close to it? And you're not about to do a wild goose chase because God has revealed to you, L.A. Marzulli. He's revealed to Tom Horn. He's revealed to all of those of us that are, I would say, original researchers. We're trying to lay... A, if you will, a foundation stone for those that will come after us to teach the people of God who their enemy is and how to fight in that realm. That's probably my last statement. Go ahead and close it out any way you want, L.A. <laughs> in, in L.A., we have about a minute and a half left uh, just, until the just break. Real, okay, just real quick. It's been a real honor and pleasure uh, to be, you know, tag teaming like this with Steve. Uh, we could probably do another six or seven hours without any problem at all. Um, I hope the audience enjoyed it. I hope your listeners enjoyed it. But um, I just want to wrap it up by saying this. The reason why I do this, and I look, I was called to this, and I was called to it years ago, and it's a ministry that I never would have volunteered for. But because I grew up in the occult and was immersed in the occult from 16 to 30, it gives me a unique perspective. And now the Lord has me doing this full time. Um, and it's been a number of years, just like Steve. And the, i got to tell you, folks, Keep us in prayer, because the attacks are unbelievable at times, and I mean unbelievable. Especially if we go out at a conference or something, it's incredible. But I just want to thank Doug and Joe for having us on here. It's just been great. Hope to do it again, uh, maybe as a regular feature. Who knows? But thanks for having us on. Love God, it. Really appreciate it. Well, bless you both. God bless you, Steve. God bless you, L.A. Marzulli. And the website both websites. LaMarzulli.net and SteveQuail.com, as my dad said earlier. Bookmark those sites and update them or, or check on them regularly. I want to thank, thank both of them. Good night, brothers. Thank you Good so night, much. Doug. Good night, Joe. Good night, everyone. Good night, thank Doug. you. Good night, Steve. Take care. Fantastic first two hours. Wow. We still have Stan Deo. StanDeo.com coming up after this break. Stay with us. 
just what kind of thriller predicts the future. In Three Days in the Belly of the Beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God Particle before CERN actually discovered the God Particle. In As the Darkness Falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the creator to his creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest-yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high-net-worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stain by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stain by Blood. At HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stain by Blood. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Stan Dale from standale.com. Always a crowd pleaser. Always a crowd pleaser. Uh, Just for people uh, wanting to catch up on the news, it's official. Neil Gorsuch uh, from Boulder, Colorado, is uh, has been selected by Donald Trump as the uh, well as a candidate uh, for approval for the Supreme Court. Justice position, and of course, uh, uh, youngest youngest Supreme Court nominee, and, and very conservative. That, according to well, his uh, his history, and all by all accounts, very very interesting choice, good choice. 
and uh, one who I believe will follow the Constitution as opposed to one's own moral convictions. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? And when I say the Constitution, I'm talking about the uh, the real Constitution of the United States. And moral convictions, when I say that, the Constitution, that is uh, really uh, uh, rooted in the rules of God Almighty as far as the... Uh, uh, Establishment of our republic. But having said that, before we get to Stan, uh, Green Innovative, you gotta go, folks, Green Innovative. They are, Alan Riggs, I, I had to pin them down, duct tape them down. I said, look, man, you gotta give us a deal, gotta give our audience a deal for Valentine's Day. And, and which, what wife would not want a GMAG power cell battery recharger? Seriously. Or, no, let me rephrase that. What husband wouldn't want that? And I'm serious. It's really a great gift. But for the month of February and the month of February only, a 14% off savings, that's right, of their entire purchase for the month of February of all of their products. Go to greenevative.com. That's greenevative.com. And you can thank me later because I duct taped Alan Riggs to a chair. He made him sign a, sign a piece of paper. He did. That's fine. Um, greenevative.com for Super GMAG package. The Super GMAG complete gives you more batteries and adapters at a reduced price. Also offering a Valentine special, 14% off for this month only. And again, I had a really, uh, well, Alan, I'm sorry, brother. But see, it didn't leave any marks, right? Uh, but this is what, what a great deal for listeners. Just use our coupon code Hagman and also Minuteman Stove. Minutemanstove.com. You got one of these? Well, get them both for Valentine's Day. Minutemanstove.com. The Minuteman Rocket Stove, perfect survival cooking stove for you and your family. Let me tell you, it uses less wood. It's a 50 caliber ammo can. Uh, its design features a lid that's got a rubber seal and a carrying handle. Weighs only 14 pounds, travels clean, no smells, no soot. Get inside your vehicle, your pantry. And it directs the heat where it needs to be. The outside of the stove only reaches about 200 degrees in temperature. Inside, you can cook away. That's Minuteman.com. There, get the Minuteman stove and fire starters, but Minutemanstove.com. Minutemanstove.com. Did I say that wrong the first time? I'll say it right this time. Minutemanstove.com. Joe. Uh, now we have with us, as we do each and every Tuesday in our number three, Stan Dale from Standale.com. Go to his website, bookmark it, and on the right-hand side of the site, if you scroll down a little bit next to the microphone, is the show images link, and you can click there and follow along with the research Stan has put together for his appearance on our show, and go through the links with us. Stan, it's great to have you back on the program. There's news today, isn't there? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. It just keeps coming. It, it does. I'll tell you what, I, I think that, uh, you know, the Democrats put themselves in a corner when they made that nuke option in the Senate because uh, if they give him any trouble, I'm sure that that's what's going to happen. Oh, wow. um, and he's such a young man with all that qualification. I mean, goodness gracious. 49. He's 49, and he got, you know, he, he went to Harvard where he got his jurisprudence degree and uh, Oxford, a PhD there, a BA in Columbia. I mean, the guy is uh, good. Right? And, of course, he's a fourth-generation Colorado. Uh, gotta say that. That's right. <laughs> I, I was I was thinking about you when I when when his name surfaced earlier today in, in some leaks. I was thinking, yeah, you know, I, I was doing in my head. How far away is, is he from Stan and Holly? But anyway, two hours, two hours, two hours. Yeah, see, yeah. You were you were probably 
over barbecue at his house this past summer, I'll bet you. Anyway. Um, well, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, 49, I gotta tell you, 40, you're right, 49, just a beautiful family, very, uh, socially and, uh, morally conservative. And in fact, uh, Hobby Lobby comes to mind. So I, I, those little tiny explosions you hear, especially if you're, if you live in the urban areas, those are the progressive Marxist, Leninist, communist, their heads exploding. You just <laughs> like that commercial with the purple cloud coming out. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, he, yeah. he's against euthanasia. He's written about it. I mean, it's not just a, a whim or a passing thing. And he's in favor of political term limits. I mean, boy, the guy just got all pluses by his name. But you know what's funny, Stan? And a lot of people use Wikipedia as a reliable source. What's really funny, uh, I, I checked Wikipedia just to be sure of a couple of things. And, and the somebody had edited real quick here under the radar. Um, he, he said he is a homophobe and a proponent of gay rights. Now, it doesn't even make sense, that statement, but... I think what they meant to write was uh, an opponent, so they couldn't even screw it up properly. But nonetheless, um, yeah, I'm sure that'll be changed in the next couple of hours. But uh, He's pro-life. Um, yeah, pro-life. Yeah. And there's a number of other, uh, as you said, yeah. the, the check marks are all in the plus column from what I've read. Yep. Yeah. Hey, uh you know, uh, the um, we'll, we'll be taking the names down fairly soon of the ten winners uh, of the the Dare to Prepare books that we gave away. But uh, we did want to tell the people that they should be seeing them um, if they haven't already got them. They should be seeing them the next couple of days because they, you know, the post office book rates and stuff take seven to ten business days. So don't panic if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, they're on the way or there in some cases. So congratulations yeah, we want to thank again. you for that. Yeah, you know, that, that's really generous of both you and Holly and folks. And let me tell you something. Research costs money. Now, I, I got an email. Well, you know, everything's just for sale and stuff. Well, here's Stan and Holly giving away uh, 10 books worth a lot of money, time, blood, sweat, and tears put into the books, uh, the, the book itself. And thank you for that. Thank you for for your generosity. But let me tell you, research costs money. To do that research costs money. And it's unfortunate that, that that people have this expectation. Well, you know, everything should be free. It's not. But man, you made it great uh, with this, and uh, our audience thanks you. They they love you, you and Holly. Well, they, really they do. do. They do. And uh, you know, uh, we uh, do this two or three times a year. We have uh, various types of books or combinations that we give away. And so there'll be another one or two of these, uh, Lord willing, um, later in the year. So keep coming to the site and uh, register when it's time. Now, you've seen uh, our show images page today. There are a few things to talk about. What strikes your fancy? Well, um, you know, you, you did put a lot of stuff up there, and one of the first things I noticed were the, I thought the first three maps were of earthquakes, but the two of the three maps are the volcanoes. If we can start by talking about the volcanic activity um, around the world, that would be a good place. Okay. Images 20 and 21 are about the active, spewing, erupting volcanoes. There are 29 of them uh, on image 21, sorry, image 20, which is showing only the red ones, which are the ones erupting. Then you go over to image 21 and I add in those that are, un, uh, that, are in, that are active, but 
not erupting yet. They're on the verge of it. And so between them, there's 59 volcanoes, mainly around the arc of uh, the Pacific, the Ring of Fire. But we're seeing some of them in unusual places, which uh, Holly brought to my attention a few minutes ago, like over in Ethiopia. There is a volcano there. It, it's the gateway to hell, they call it. It's erupting. You can see uh, links to that uh, article at, at uh, image 22, but and 24 is to uh, Kilauea in Hawaii, also erupting. But these things are um, indicative to me of, you know, deep mantle movements coming up into these weak fissure areas. Now, the one over in Ethiopia is rather interesting because it's just, oh, you know, two or three hundred miles kind of down the great East African Rift to, uh, from the Garden of Eden. And strangely enough, there is another volcano you know, erupting there in, in Africa at the Garden of Eden, and it's called Oldoino in the local tongue, which means the mountain of God, and it's erupting. So you see that erupting in the creation place of, you know, the, the Garden of Eden, and just down the river from it, uh, where mankind left the Garden of Eden and went across into uh, Saudi Arabia. That's another story. But right there at Ethiopia, at the border between that and Eritrea, you see a massive hot, you know, volcano. Um, it's almost like God's kind of going back and saying, right, I'm going to rip this area apart, you know. Um, there may be more to it than that, but I'm just saying that they're just, it's an interesting coincidence that two volcanoes have become active over there, and one in the, in the Garden of Eden area, right, you know, on the rim of it, and the other one in Ethiopia, which is where Adamic man migrated down into Saudi Arabia to start the, uh, the human population, you know, the, the created ones. But, um, yeah, and if you look at the map on 21, which has everything on it, uh, you see that there's a little orange one down north of New Zealand. And uh, that one is is called the Zipper Island, the Zipper Volcano. When that one starts to become active, I watch it, and so do the New Zealanders very closely, because if it erupts in a big way, or as uh, the president would say, bigly, uh, when it erupts bigly, it's going to tear uh, fissures all the way down into Lake Taupo. All along there's a weak line, you know, faults, subfaults that go right up to White Island. So they watch it closely because if that one goes and triggers eventually Lake Taupo to erupt, which is a caldera covered with water, that one could possibly erupt bigger than Yellowstone did, and it certainly has done huge. it within the last 2,000 years. Yeah, it's going to be huge. <laughs> I don't mean that. Huge, very huge. Huge, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 wow, that's, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's, uh, you can see these areas uh, are also earthquake prone. Uh, the two go together with the weakening of the, the Earth's mantle, the breaking up of it. Um, even the Azores uh, over in um, the northern Atlantic along the ridge there just uh, west of uh, Spain and west of the Canaries as well, that has a number of uh, earthquakes, which we can see in uh, image 19, but it also has uh, a minor activity, possible eruption alert for a volcano there. So volcanoes are becoming... Uh, the end thing at the moment around the planet. I'm watching that fairly closely. Anyway, back to image nine, 19, sorry. That's um, a global map, uh, interactive map of recent earthquakes over the last two weeks to give us a pattern. And you can see, I was telling you about Watch New Zealand. If you look where New Zealand should be on the map, it is covered with so many earthquakes that it's 
just a red glob. You see that? Yep. Yep. Now that's telling us it's not only White Island. There's all kinds of things happening in North and South Island. There's stress reliefs reliefs going on over the last two weeks that are of interest. Now, mind you, they're only about you know fours to fives and stuff like that. But um, bigger things have come from that area not too long ago. A Richter seven point nine. Um, so keep an eye on that. Look over in the Mediterranean, from Italy all the way over to uh, Turkey and in between Greece and all those. There's a lot of earthquake activity there as well in a cluster. And that is along a tectonic plate border that uh, reaches from oh, down in Indonesia back up through China and around and over into uh, the Mediterranean and from there over in toward the United States. There is one great connective fault or, or plate tectonic border that if that whole thing were to uh, release the pressure all at once would be that giant earthquake the Bible talks about, bigger than any we've ever had. And that could certainly re- release. And so we're seeing a little bit of a, uh, a tremor activity there in the, the Mediterranean, which is part of that uh, joiner uh, fault line, if you wish, across the United States. Um, other than that, Japan is certainly very active at the moment. And Southern California, no, middle to Southern California, is active. Uh, it's always active, but it, too, is forming a cluster and west coast of Argentina and Chile and uh, Peru uh, and Ecuador. These things are all active and starting to cluster. So keep an eye. There's a link up there to Interactive Map. You can say, uh, this is where I want to go and go to that uh, website. It's a NASA Terrametrics uh, imagery, but anyway. Yeah. Um, have a look at that uh, and, and watch over the next few weeks. You can set the time period you want to look at and try to get an idea of where all these crustal movements and pressures are being released. I think this is important, guys. I mean, uh, to see this many volcanoes and earthquakes, you know, all happening together in these uh, notably hot spots, tells me that there's there's movement afoot, you know, and uh, there's something else I'll tell you about in a second which does put uh, credence to that. If you want to look at the uh, Azores, go to image 23, and you can see uh, that they're enlarged so that you can see all the the uh, earthquakes are happening. There's there's one volcano in the middle of that somewhere, and they're on the fault line coming from the Canaries over to the Mid-Atlantic Ridge. So there's another kind of triangulated uh, plate tectonic meeting that is under stress, like the one in Ethiopia. Very interesting wow. stuff. Very interesting. There have been uh, increased reports I've seen this week Um to what to the back of what you've been saying, I saw two separate reports on Drudge between yesterday and today. One, you know, is a a um, huge earthquake around the corner, and then one, are we uh, something like um, you know, are we getting ready to see a super volcano eruption? And you see those here and there on Drudge, but to see those two uh, stories in the last two days in conjunction with what you're saying, as well as um, the, I saw you had a story up about the coronal hole. Uh, mm-hmm. In the sun, also there seems to be a, a lot of activity, whether it's leading up to something or not. There definitely is um, some people who have their eyes open on this because they feel that there is a threat. People uh, are starting to pay attention to this, to you know, yeah, mm. yeah. Well, uh, Holly's got a uh, Holly. You have that link up, don't you, on uh, John uh, Casey about the earthquakes? It's the video of the week. Uh, there's a link to it on image 15 as well, linking back to the same uh, place that she's uh, reporting on the main page. But it's on True News, and it's a, a radio interview, about uh, 45 minutes or so. But he tells about the uh, increase.
increased volcanic, volcanic activity and the earthquakes and the you know the moon, the sun. All these things uh, are related. The moon, sorry, the sun is the main driver for the energy distribution throughout our whole solar system, obviously. But when it presents a, a large coronal hole like you're talking about in image 13, it does. Um, it does not bode well for the health of the sun. This is a very big, very unusual uh, coronal hole. And when you open up a hole like that in that particular layer of the sun, um, historically what it does is it emits a lot of solar wind out of there, very high energy particles. Um, and of course, they strike the earth and produce magnetic storms. And normally, you wouldn't expect to see a CME come out of all that kind of stuff. But and no sunspots. But in this particular picture, when you look at it, you see that not only is there that great coronal hole. You click on the picture, you'll see that Holly's put a label on it. sunspot 2629, sunspot 2628 is blowing off to the, the what they call the the west of the sun. It looks on the right side of the picture. We could see a CME come out of this and. You know, I, I hearken back to prophecy again, like in uh, Matthew twenty four twenty nine. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. Well, of course, the moon reflects the sunlight. So are we looking at the beginning of the entire surface of the sun becoming a coronal hole, you know, going technically cooler uh, in one respect, hotter in another? Um but not in the visible light spectra, so you can't see the sun. It'd be like one one uh, Bible prophet said it was like looking at a sackcloth of hair, looking through that with little pinholes of light coming up. The majority of the sun's surface is dark. Um, and I've been telling this on the, on the show for years now. The the sun is in, in scripture is going to do some interesting things. It's not going to give us light, but yet it's going to be you know. As bright as days, you know, like seven times brighter. Uh, of course, the moon will be too. So, how can it be dark and how can it be bright at the same time? There are there are stages it's going to go through, and I suspect that if it does go to that blackened surface, that will be after a lot of other events happen, including throwing off a dense cloud of stuff off the, the surface of the sun, which of course might lead to this large, all-encompassing coronal hole all over the, uh, the, the sun. But anyway. The the thing is that we're going to see worse before the blackout of the sun, I think, according to Scripture. And these signs are happening right before our eyes. So keep an eye on this. Uh, Soho gives images every day. And uh, watch the area of it. Uh, it's, if it increases, then we're getting close to other things happening. Uh, we might be seeing you know, solar EMP or more than one in the next few years. It's just a very unusual behavior from the sun. Well, and this is not cyclical. This is uh, this is above any type of potential cyclical things we've seen with the sun, right? Yeah, and and you know, strangely enough, um, we're all like this. Um, scientist uh, and just the average person, you you look at events happening around you in the world, and you, uh, or even in human relations, you say, "Well, it has happened with this pattern ever so often." Blah 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 blah. Therefore, it will happen that way again. But in the case of the sun, we're entering a period of time where the past cycles, the past events that we build our statistics on, are not going to apply. It's, it's in a state of change, which is going to present new discoveries, perhaps some very painful ones for the Earth, uh, in our future, our, our near future. 
Very wow. interesting. Hey, and it, all, it, we're seeing a confluence of events here. Volcanoes, earthquakes, signs in the heavens, and uh, wow. If, if, if you're not right to me, if you're a guy or a lady out there, if you're not right with God, it's time to, it's, you, you, you ought to start, in my view. Um, Absolutely. Man. Not only with preparing with the Lord, because we're all going to meet him one day, one way or another, but also while you're here, preparing physically. Yes. That's why we've put so much emphasis on Holly's book and on the, the free website, Dare to Prepare, telling you what to do, you know, step by step, even if you don't have a lot of money. Get prepared to be cut off from, you know, a lot of services. Uh, there are rumors floating around that there's going to be uh, a meteorite, a large uh, meteorite hit us uh, sometime in March. May or may not happen, I don't know. We don't know these things exactly. So being prepared is being a good Boy Scout. You know, you got to do it. So go to the website, daretoprepare.com, and it's all run together. Nothing fancy. But and thank you for that, to too. Prepare. You know, that does, and folks, that takes a lot of effort to to offer that much information, both in book form, website form, but definitely Dare to Prepare the book is my favorite. Uh, I mean, that that is the end all. That That's the go-to book for preparation and the story. And the site there prepare. is... is Free downloads yeah. of like food planners for your family and all kinds of stuff. Just yep. go and download everything you can and put it on a flash drive if you're worried about an EMP. There you go. That's right. Hey, uh, no. Yeah, well, I just wanted to just say this. Uh, I, I would be remiss not to mention this. I see that you must have dusted off the uh, VHS tapes and, uh, you, uh, uh and folks, uh, definitely check these videos out from Stan from, uh, 1982-ish and 1997-ish. Dapper as ever. Still dapper today, but, uh, they're on the show images page, links to the videos. Uh, thanks for doing that. Yeah, yeah, that, uh, that video number, that, uh, image number five links to a, about a two minute, 50 second video I made here over the weekend. A lot of interest in it. Um, the, uh, the video tells about President Donald Trump's favorite uncle, his, you know, his go-to guy, uh, Professor John G. Trump. Now, Donald John Trump was, you know, the John is named after his uncle, uh, John Trump here. Now, I met with uh, his uncle and interviewed him in Boston at the high voltage uh, engineering uh, labs uh, that he had founded. And he, he, he died, oh gosh, um, a few years back, I think 1985, about three years after I interviewed him. And, uh, this guy was into, uh, with Van de Graaff, they generated, they, they, uh, invented and, uh, made the first big Van de Graaff generators, you know, make the electric sparks out in the air with this rubber bell moving. They made, you know, things that were like two stories tall for nuclear research and that kind of stuff. But the thing I was reporting in this two minute video, two and a half minute video, was that, uh, Dr. Trump told me that the FBI came to him and said, look, uh, Nikola Tesla's just died, and uh, we want you to help us open up a, a package that he left with the, the front desk of the Hotel New Yorker where he was staying. And that package, he said that they couldn't open it and, and don't move it around because it, uh, you know, it was part of a design for a secret weapon that he was working on. And, you know, the FBI guys, uh, two or three agents there, they get a hold of Dr. Trump. And they say, look, uh, you know, at his age, even, they say, look, why don't you go up to the desk there in the Hotel New Yorker 
lobby, and they'll give you the package, and everybody will move away. We'll be behind these marble pillars about 50 feet away in case it blows up. <laughs> and they didn't even give them a bomb suit or any kind of protection. They said, you know, wow. open it up, you know, or see if we can open it up without blowing it up. So, uh, you know, Dr. Trump, brave as he was, he, he had a twinkle in his eye like an Irish one telling a, a joke. You know, when he was telling me this, he says, yeah, those brave FBI agents put me behind the marble pillars while I took out my handy pocket knife and kind of looked at the, the package. It had twine tying up a package wrapped in brown paper. And he said it, it, I picked it up gently and it was heavy. And so I thought, well, I better uh, look for any trip wires or stuff before I cut the twine. And he, he did. And he felt all over the surface of it for any bumps of something hidden under the paper that might blow up or do something weird. Um, and he found nothing like that. So he cut the twine, put his knife blade on the paper and opened it up. And inside was this beautiful hand rubbed wooden chest with a brass latch on it and handles. And um, he thought, well, okay, here's another thing to open this lid. Uh, I'll look around here very closely around the edge for any trip wires and stuff. He did. And so finally he thought, well, I'm going to just do it. He said, I, I figured I'd go rather quickly if it was a bomb. So he put his knife under there and opened up this thing. And to his surprise, he didn't blow up. And then he motioned to the brave FBI agent, you can come over now, I'll show you what's here. And they were looking for a secret, a message about this super weapon. Wait, wait, wait a second. We, uh, that's going to be a great cliffhanger. Okay, hold on. The hold super on. weapon after the break. That's right. Standale from Standale.com. Oh, I, I, I love cliffhangers like this. Standale from Standale.com. Folks, go to the show images page and also his page, daretoprepare.com as well. The books, uh, winners of the books on the front page. Get right back to right where you're at. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, masterpreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you could possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. To, I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Eric's. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman the Hagman Report family, masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? From all of us at Trading Post in the Woods, we pray you have a healthy, safe, and prosperous 2017. And we would like to thank all of you for welcoming us to the Hagman and Hagman family. You're all a very wonderful and special group of people. Because we believe it is so important for you to work and acquire good health this year, we're going to do something that we've never done before as a thank you to you for your support. 
we're going to make something available that we believe everyone needs. During the month of January, anyone who invests in their house by purchasing either our American Heritage Remedies Kit, our Survivalist Natural Remedies Kit, or $200 in individual remedies of your choice, we're going to give to you our crisis remedy just in case for free. Your health must be a part of your preparation plan. We're here to help you with that dream. May God bless y'all, and may God bless America. Happy New Year! Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. That means you can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Reports. Stan Dale's our guest, standale.com. Stan and Ollie Dale, great people. And the uh, really their research work product in Stan's book, uh, Cosmic Conspiracy, Holly's books, Dare to Prepare, Prophetic Perils, my goodness, second to none. Visit standale.com and definitely. Now's the time. Now is the time, because you think things are bumpy right now? Oh, they're going to get bumpier. And speaking of that, are, are you are you prepared in the event of a crisis? How about TradingPostInTheWoods.com? TradingPostInTheWoods.com. One more time, TradingPostInTheWoods.com. It's an American family-owned and operated company that... Uh, well, it provides you with knowledge. God bless you. It provides you with knowledge to empower you, skills to equip you, supplies to sustain and assist you, and like-minded staff to encourage you. This is a great place to start your personal freedom. And I've got to tell you, they've got uh, numerous products. It's like kind of going back in time. Uh, they've got they've created the American Heritage Remedies Kit, special especially for the Hagman and the Hagman Report listeners. It's a brand new kit. They're um, they're discounting just for our listeners. That's right. Um, but but they they have all sorts of shall we say things that you would go into the old training post stores, maybe used by your grandmother, great grandmother, or, or whatever, a host of natural remedies to address whatever might be ailing you or could be in a crunch. Training posts in the woods. They're more about, uh, they're much more than just about natural alternatives that help you resolve health crisis. They're also about empowering you. Visit tradingpostinthewoods.com. That's tradingpostinthewoods.com. Tradingpostinthewoods.com. And, uh, in case you were wondering that, Eric's over there sneezing and hacking, and he's got uh, some sort of sinus infection. So, um, send him your home remedies, right? <laughs> yeah. Before the break, uh, Stan, you were telling us a story. Yes, a cliffhanger. Doctor uh, Trump's uncle, Doctor Trump, and 
the Tesla package. And in the package was... And he wasn't sure what it was. Uh, yes. Uh, is this where I say, be sure to tune into the station four months from now <laughs> in our next season? <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't do that. But anyway, yeah. Um, so he did, he flipped the, the lid up, and it was a, as I said, a beautifully hand-rubbed, uh, you know, hand-made uh, um, box to hold what was inside. And instead of a bomb, thankfully, instead of a message and a graph or drawings or anything of the secret weapon, there was nothing. There was just what they called a Wheatstone Bridge or a Decade Resistance Box. Now, in the old days, it was like a multimeter, you know, very basic multimeter that people used to measure resistance and inductance and capacitance, all that kind of stuff. But it was beautifully made. It, uh, you know, had brass fittings inside, and uh, you could, it was, it was set up in a binary form, which meant You'd put known resistance values in uh, on either side of what they call a bridge, and it would tell you what the unknown value was that you plug in another hole. But it used what's called a binary method to balance both sides of this circuit to you know measure the resistance of something. As I say nowadays, a multimeter you just put a little, little probe in and it automatically reads it out, no big drama. But in those days, that was the way it was done. So uh, Dr. Trump says to me, he says, and you know. There was no secret weapon in there. There was no, no, no secret to making a super weapon. I mean, it was just, you know, a decade resistance box that he'd wrapped up and told them that so that they could use it as surety against the back rent he owed, you know, several months worth or more, uh, that he owed to the hotel because he was always running poor. And, um, so I said to Dr. Trump, I said, now wait a minute, wait a minute. There was a message there. He said, really? And I said, yeah. It was the decade resistance box. It was the function of that box that was the message. If you know all of Tesla's work, he said he matched or balanced things, what they call impedances, to the flow of energy on one side of an equation and the other side. I said he was talking about how you could use it not as a, you don't have to use it as a weapon, you can use it as a method of providing electricity for the entire planet for free. Well, virtually for free. You got to build the equipment. But other than that, it was free, clean, and renewable. And he kind of looked at me and said, really? And I said, yeah, look at your own papers, your own research. I, and uh, later, I would I would file a patent uh, on a free energy device like this, quoting Dr. Trump's work in three or four places. And I do give the, the places on the, uh, the video there so you can check it yourself. But um, he had done research back in the 50s, uh, Dr. Trump, um, on some of Tesla's work as well, but on making very powerful capacitors you know, between two plates in a vacuum and seeing how much physical force was generated when he raised the voltage level between them. And so uh, based on that, he then did experiments that said that if you move one side of a capacitor toward the other or back and forth, it will generate electricity. You know, as you change the voltage. Well, if you go to the atmosphere, we have two plates. We have the the ionosphere, and we also have the Van Allen belt as well as part of that. But the Van, the, the the ionosphere, and then you go all the way down to the surface of the Earth, and there's another plate, and there's a a, a charge. Uh, I think the one report I read, I think it's a 650,000 volt charge between them, or something like that. You know, from outer space to here, but. The solar wind beats the heck out of our atmosphere. Uh, no matter which side of the planet you're on, it's causing the atmosphere to vibrate at a multitude of frequencies as these protons hit the Earth's uh, charged upper atmosphere. And in 
um, you know, on a million miles an hour and stuff like that. They're pretty, pretty fast. And so you're having all kinds of ripples physically run through uh, the ionosphere down into the Earth's atmosphere, and it shakes or vibrates the entire atmosphere. But at such a high frequency, you don't feel it. Now, there is a way. We know what the frequency range is, um, and there is a way to insert something into the atmosphere at ground level. And that thing can feel those vibrations and convert them to electricity you can use in your home. So this is why I put this video up. I mean, they've already published my patent, which I'll show you there at the, the last of the video. The patent application was not granted. They said you cannot have a patent because it couldn't work. And they sold T. They, they told T. Henry Murray, who invented the, the Moray power source, using the same concept I'm talking about. He had a working model in front of him. And they said, "Where does the energy come from?" He said, "Well, I don't know, but it's kind of irregular, like the waves at the seashore, you know, high, low, and, and, and variable, random." And they said, "Well, since you don't know where it's coming from, we're not going to grant you a patent." So they turned Dr. Mor Moray away, who had a working model that would generate between five and ten. 5,000 and 10,000 watts of power continuously without anything, just the antenna and the box that converted it. Now, they That's put my perfect. application on the Internet when they should have put it into a box and sealed it. You know, that if you don't, if you don't grant you the patent, they're supposed to hide that so that nobody else can see it and jump the gun on you, right? Yeah, you but were talking about this last week, and then the subsequent selling the patents to China to see what they can apply and, yeah. and turn into... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, resources. Yeah, that's pretty messed up. Yeah, well, after our show last week talking about it, I thought, right, I'll, I'll put this video up because this is important that people understand where the energy is and how we can get it. We, you know, it wouldn't take but a, a, a small team of electrical engineers and with an open mind, and we could build a little box that would take the power that I can get out of the atmosphere and step it down from the high voltage and high frequency down like Moray did. We have all the stuff that we need now in the industry, uh, a lot better uh, components than Moray had. But anyway, you never let uh, that happen. I mean, the control and the amount of revenue generated from every energy source that we use is way too much for anybody to allow it to be given away for free. Why did they money. put it on? The, why did they make it public over at the patent office and then leave it there? It's a good question. Enough there Maybe for those people started. who are smart enough to to apply it, but knowing the vast majority of people would never uh, be able to apply it and do what it was created for, I would imagine. Yeah, I Maybe they didn't I, I think you're too skeptical. I think I think you're too. What are they, what's, what's that word? Cynical. Uh, cynical. Yeah. Yeah, maybe so. No, yeah. I mean uh, Joe, but but you know, I, it, interesting nonetheless. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Yes, well, now, you know, with the geophysical changes in progress around the planet and getting worse and also on the sun, it, you know, getting energy to sustain yourself, you know, would be very important. And, uh, you know, although, you know, the oil pipeline and stuff is going to be uh, put in the Keystone from Canada down here, and they're going to take oil sands and convert them, you know, reflect the oil out of them, um, even though they're going to do that, we still have to have backup emergency plans uh, for generating energy for people in survival groups. And I would not think that our present administration, with President Trump at the head of it, would be against preparing 
uh, emergency power distribution like this because an acquisition because it doesn't require a nuclear reactor it doesn't require burning anything it just requires setting up centers and you could set up bigger centers you know that could uh, tie into power lines and distribute power in an emergency like that uh, I, I can't see why they would argue this because it's just guaranteeing that we are energy independent and they can't do anything to stop us you know overseas amen that's right I I think there there I really think Stan I I I don't know exactly what to base this on or or what I'm basing this statement on, except some things I've seen in the periphery of my research that there's something going on with energy that I I do believe that we're going to see some sort of announcement made uh, by Trump or uh, at some point soon. I, I just to kind of um, consistent with what you're what you were saying. Here over the last few minutes, I, I yeah. I've seen it posted on, I mean Reddit, for example, um, some of the other forums. But again, the anecdotal evidence, I suppose. Yeah, I I noticed some of the comments. Uh, there were some interesting comment comments on YouTube at the video where you know underneath people saying it, and um, there was one lady that wrote um, something about, you know, this is this is a very you know. Uh, difficult uh, patent to read for her and the stuff and she said but um, uh, you live in Colorado is it a secret valley you live in are you John Galt you know <laughs> 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 and it is like that the shrugged a lot isn't it <laughs> well are you <laughs> now next question <laughs> I love that yes yes the, the old, the old you, famous pivot yeah Yes, it's the political stance, as it were. Yes. Um, hey, speaking of, of strange things, you know all these flat earthers? Now we've got oh, flat yeah. universers. I, you know, <laughs> that blew my I read mind. That today before I saw yeah. the yeah. what you put on your website here. And I, I said, Stan's talking about flat universes? Well, I can't well, wait to hear that. But it's more than that. It's the holograph, uh, the holographic, right? It, it's, yeah. It, well, they're saying it's a 2D universe, you know, flat two dimensions, left and right or whatever, and that projects a hologram up above it, and that's what we are and what we see as stars and all that kind of stuff. Now, the picture I've got there is from Star Wars, and you see a cone head sitting there like he's a he's a hologram in the middle of all that, so you can see through him. But, uh, you know, I, I had to laugh when I read that, that they were, they're, they're saying it's a 2D universe, it's a flat universe. I thought, that does it, that rips it for me. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people who take the, the I know we're not really getting into flat earth here, but that take this yeah. very seriously, um, and it's it's just pretty uh, interesting to see the amount of people who have who believe that the Earth is flat for the just based on the way flight patterns are and and based on all right uh, cue, know, cue the rabbit emails but, because they're coming. Oh, I Trust know, I know. But how does anyway. this difference stand from from when they say we live in a computer simulation? It's so they're not. actually saying this is okay, okay. It's not. In their way to describe it mathematically, these physicists came up with a 2D reference plane with a projected third dimension. And, you know, that was really the way they could say it mathematically, which is shorthand for what we say with long words and sentences. But it is like a virtual reality. So you say, okay, where does the virtual reality come from? You know, well, God created it. Okay, well, uh, is it a box that holds a virtual reality? Or, you know, is it a flat plane that projects the reality? It doesn't really matter. It's still a virtual reality, isn't it? That's it is our reality. 
<laughs> no matter what. No, I, I can almost, okay, the, the holographic part of it, I can somewhat uh, wrap my brain around a little bit, sort of, kind of. Maybe not so much, but I, I don't I can know. to an extent when you talk yeah. about uh, even our bodies, everything that we, we touch and use um, is put together by, you know, millions of small particles. Right, I get that. Infinite amounts of space in between them. Somehow they, you know, they, they hold together and everything works and is functional. To me, that can only be an intelligent design, a creator. It speaks yeah. of. It speaks, speaks right. about, yeah, too. That, that, yeah. But that. there's people that take that information and, and develop other theories and alternative belief systems, and, and um, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, obviously, the times we live in, the, I can understand the opposition to Scripture and the Bible and religion, but at the same time, it's the only thing that explains it for me. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it, it cannot happen by happenstance all over the universe. All these things are so perfectly, you know, match and balance, and it's like a great symphony in, in the in the heavens. You know, it did not happen by random accident. All the life forms we've got on this planet that are interdependent did not happen because of a lightning strike, you know, in a pool of goo somewhere in the past. This was intelligently designed to interface and interact. And, you know, look... Nowadays, you can get gloves uh, that are pressure sensitive and put them onto your hands. They plug into your computer program. You can get goggles you can see, you know, into a new reality. You don't see anything around you except what's in the goggles. And they don't have smell-o-vision yet, but they've got, you know, touch-o-vision. You can feel um, feedback from this mathematical world they create on the computer. And you can reach out and touch an object, and you'll feel the pressure of it uh, pushing back, you know, so it's like a real object. And, and you know, like we could be the same kind of thing. We could be the created, uh, you know, universe with people that the creator uh, can feel and sense through us the, the world he's created us to, to live in. I mean, it's it, he's like we would be with uh, the computer being the universe and everything we see is solid and, you know, uh, smells nice, looks nice, that kind of stuff sounds good. All these senses that we have could be piped in uh, to the creator. And that's why when he says, when you die, I'll have your complete record. Because he's been there all the time monitoring and recording all this and however he records things. There's a complete record of every second of your existence because it's in his computer. You know, that correct. I, I mean, that makes sense to me because seven plus billion—that's a lot of people alive at one time. That's just on Earth. There might be beings elsewhere. Who knows? Huh? True. Hey, speaking wow. of beings and and genetic things, image eight: okay. startling dinosaur protein discovery. They yeah, found. Right yeah, they, they 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 were digging and and they found living are, are like proteins that are amino acid strings that you could build on from a dinosaur that died 195 million years ago, according to their time scale. Of course, I, I doubt that, but they have found this this protein, which I suspect that in the future they could actually do what Jurassic Park said and they could recreate. You know, dinosaurs from this old protein models of their DNA. Now, um, I mean, that's fascinating in itself, but my question is, does it, I see the article talking about, you know, 195 million years. 
would that be is this something that if it was preserved properly it would last that long or is it are we talking about something not dating uh back that long I don't think it was older than ten or fifteen thousand years at maximum. There you go. Again, yep. this, look, I'm, I'm still writing my book on Atlantis, but and, and Garden of Eden, and putting them all in one book. But the the opening arguments of my book tell the, the reader you're going to have to enter a new paradigm. You're going to have to look at the universe in a new way, and the Earth in particular, its history in a new way. You're going to have to look at an Earth that is now flipped upside down 180 degrees from what it was before the flood. The sun used to rise in the west before that. You're going to look at a planet that is now a third bigger in diameter than it was before the flood. You're going to look at a planet where it's not continental drift. It was catastrophic crack up of Pangaea after an asteroid hit the Earth and broke that landmass apart into the continents. I'm telling people, you know, and time, I say, look, and you're going to have to realize that the age of things is not as they say in science. It is the best they could do uh, under the, the, the mathematical model that they adhere to for the universe. But the big problem with the dating of it is they date everything by radio, uh, radiometric processes, which tell the half-life of a gas or the half-life of a carbon particles or whatever in various fossils. And that's, they say, is a constant that the, 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 the decay rate of these atomic particles and stuff that they age the universe and the Earth by is a constant. But it, it's not a constant. Even the carbon-14 method relies on a constant uh, depositing rate of carbon-14 you know, from the sun's interaction with our atmosphere. But that's not been constant. And when you look at the the constants they're using for decay of radioactive materials, those are influenced directly by the speed of light or the speed of electromagnetic radiation in the, the, the mass of space, in the dark matter or whatever. So when you say that, and they're saying this now in new models for the cosmology, for the creation of the universe, they're saying at the, at the Big Bang that the speed of electromagnetic radiation, light, etc., etc., was 10 with 60 zeros behind it faster than it is now, which meant that radioactive decay occurred so fast that it's not anywhere near what we're saying that it's a constant, and so 195 million years might become 10,000 years. And that graph, okay. if you apply it to these things. And, and these are some of the basic things that I tell people, the readers in the book, this is what you've got to accept as the premise, the foundation for what I'm going to tell you about finding the Garden of Eden, finding Pangaea before it broke up, finding Atlantis, you know, finding the, you know five large meteors that impacted the Earth, asteroids really impacted the Earth, you know, in, in its early formative stages and left footprints in the ocean and, and on land in China. Anyway, uh, the, when I looked at this dinosaur dating thing, of course, I was more interested in the fact that they had some DNA that they, or some protein they might be able to manufacture something from. Um, but uh, even if they could uh, give birth to a dinosaur, the dinosaur in our gravity would be a different kind of animal. Because if you'll notice how the dinosaurs had huge muscles and legs and you know their bones had a hexagonal cell structure, they were very strong beings or entities, whatever you want to call them, animals. And gravity of the Earth was greater than it is now because the mass of the Earth as we have now was crammed down into a ball that was 25% less than it is now. We're now a third greater than it was, but 25% less is what it was if you look at our 
designed for heavier gravity. And that gravity made the atmosphere thicker, denser, so they had more oxygen. Um, they were more buoyant in this thicker atmosphere. So their bone structure didn't have to be as, as strong as people are trying to say. They, if we created one of these dinosaurs now, they could darn near jump a building in a, you know, a small building in a single leap. Uh, they would have trouble, they would get tired quicker because it's not as much oxygen, and they would have more trouble moving because the atmosphere is not as dense. But anyway, they wouldn't live in our environment. They were built for an environment at the beginning, designed by intelligent design. Well, right. Okay. And, and again, this to me goes back to um, the rethinking of what we've been taught, our history. It's all good. Yeah. And, yeah. and it fits right into what you're, I can't wait for you, for, for your writing. Your, uh, the new book, yeah. Vindicator Scrolls yeah. Volume 2. Yeah. Well, it's going to be quite a few months here. I've got to do that, plus some other projects I'm working on at the moment, but uh, that require I get out in the workshop and make some things and plug them in the backyard and stuff like that. Well, it sounds on exciting. A, on a lighter note. Wait, wait, lighter wait, wait note. a second. Plug some things in the backyard. <laughs> you going to launch some missiles or never? Oh, no, that. no, no. No, no fun things. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Energy-related. Gotcha. Um, the uh, image 16 was something that I thought was really quite beautiful. If you click onto that, it goes to what's called the Glass Beach, and it's uh, in Usuri Bay in Russia. And what has happened, is it's in a cold area, you know, uh, uh, the part of the Russia. And you've got a sandy beach, and you've got waves and sand being, you know, fine green sand being thrust over the beach. But what had happened is a lot of Russian tourists and stuff had been to this beach over the years and thrown glass bottles out into the water that washed up on shore here and uh, in the sand directly. And if you go to that site, the first thing you'll see is just, uh, it looks like, colored rocks stretched from where you are way off into the distance along this beach. And if you go down closer and look at them in the next picture, you'll see that these these rocks are really glass fragments that have been polished and smoothed off by the action of sand and the waves on them. A beautiful thing, but this entire beach has got glass rocks that are smooth, not sharp. You can walk on them, and they show pictures and close-ups of them, and uh, it's the darndest thing you'd ever want to see. It's just a beautiful, jewel-bedecked, white, sandy beach with some snow in this particular shot, uh, stretching around this cove, um, and uh, I just thought I'd share that with folks because it's such a, an unusual story. Uh, that is amazing when you look at the the photographs. And, folks, if you're just listening to this, uh, definitely go to standale.com, show images, and check that out. That's in the, the Sun uh, publication. But, wow, that's great. Re- remember the old rock tumblers? Yeah. Um, do they still one. have those? Yeah, I've yeah. got one. Okay. All right, because it used to drive my, my, my parents just crazy when I, you know, because of the noise. Oh, uh, yeah, well, I put it out in the workshop and let it run for a day or two or more. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, fun. yeah, it's fun. You polish your stones and stuff. Hey, yeah. one thing I want to uh, put, point out to you in image 14, uh, it's Trump sets up refuge safe, refugee safe zones in one day. And to tell you how, how the guy's mind works, okay, he can't uh, appropriate the money and funds that he needs uh, to uh, to build refugee centers in the Middle East. But who 
conditioning set up for three million people over there that are not being used at the moment. The Saudi Arabians. They set up a three million tent or a, a tent village that'll hold three million people. Every tent is air conditioned. And they only use it two days a year when people are making the Hajj, you know, the Muslim pilgrimage over uh, to the, the western side of Saudi Arabia to Mecca. So Trump calls them up and says, hey, look, um, can, we, can we use this the other 363 days of the year for refugees, you know, until they get resettled? And, of course. And there's, uh, I think the United Arab Emirates is going to help in that respect, too. But all these things, with one phone call to uh, the uh, the uh, Saudi prince Mohammed bin Salman. I just makes you wonder. That, makes you wonder how the last administration spent their time. How I the mean, what? How the last administration spent their time, or were they <laughs> using those <laughs> phone calls course. to work against the the interests of the of the people? I know, I know. It's just you know, I'm so proud of the man. He's just doing things that that are out of the box, you know, and they work. And he's keeping his word doing it. But I tell you what, right. it's, it's going to make a change in the world. It is making a change. Uh, Joe came up with the term, a uh, phrase yesterday, culture or uh, whiplash, uh, cultural whiplash. <laughs> no. I, anyway. I think that would probably be true. i tell you what, he's putting a cat amongst the pigeons, isn't he? Mm. He is indeed. Well, Stan, you did it. You took us to the end of the program already. Man, that was a fast hour. That was great. Yeah, we Thank didn't you. get it all covered, but it's up there for people to look at. Indeed. Sandale.com. That's Sandale.com. Uh, our good friend Stan and the Holy Dale. Yeah, you uh, guys have a great you. evening. Yeah. God you bless. do. God bless you now. All right. Bye-bye. That'll do it for us tonight, folks. Until tomorrow. Yeah. Stay safe. Have a good night. And we will be back tomorrow. We have a great show for the rest of the week planned, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So oh, make sure yeah. you tune in back here tomorrow evening at 7 p.m. Buckle in. Have a good night.